This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open. Thank you. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is the first time you're joining us, I'd like to welcome you to episode 146 Happy Independence Day, America. Happy Canada Day earlier this week to all of our friends in Canada. My name is Nick Howell. And uh, eagerly awaiting this weekend when New Japan will hit my G-spot, I am Sir Ian Dangerous. Oh, nice. I must apologize if you hear any pops or booms in the background. It's because my neighborhood turns into a war zone on the 4th of July as everyone in my neighborhood celebrates the U.S.'s independence by blowing up anything they possibly can so yes it uh <laughs> it turns and all the pyro that wwe hasn't used all year will be set off behind me outside of my building sometime sometimes starting probably during the recording of this show yeah. so if that happens apologies it's that's apologies. arguably better than the 6.6 on the richter scale earthquake you guys had this morning out yes there. that yes, was a bit of I was, fireworks to kick off independence day you know it's funny. I've been I was I've been born and raised in California. I was there for the big 7.2 in the Bay Area in 89, which was a real earthquake. This little 6.6 this morning, it kind of like shook me lightly in bed. I had like a it was like kind of being in one of those love hotels. You kind of get shaken around a little bit. You're like, "Oh, this is <laughs> this is nice rockaby danger in here." It was lovely. I actually had a nice time with it and then went right back to sleep. So Nice. Yeah, no, no big deals, these earthquakes here in California. I'll take them over tornadoes and hurricanes any day of the week. But, Nick, we can't be talking about earthquakes right now. We have way too much to get to on the show this week. We're two weeks out from WWE's Extreme Rules. We got a weekend coming up with tons of shows, not only MLW, but we've got the Slammiversary from Impact. The G1 starts there's oh. tons to get to, and we got to recap Fighter Fest. AEW had Fighter Fest this week, and we've got to recap that. But before that, let's do some housekeeping, please. Yes, as always, guys, come join us in the hub of our operation, our Facebook uh, discussion group, the Busted Wide Open discussion group over on Facebook. Definitely send us a join request and get in there. That's where you'll find all the good stuff and where we send all of our big news first and foremost. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast right here on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Busted Wide Open. We are live right now on YouTube. If you're not watching, you're missing out. 
interact with the live chat, and watch us record this show every week live on YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so that you're, you're aware anytime we go live. Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, every single week. Uh, last but certainly not least, if you love our show and want to support what we do, you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers. You can get access to show notes, uh, the ability to ask listener questions every week that we answer here on the show, uh, bonus episodes for which we just uh, c- played catch-up, I should say, is the right way to put that. Caught, caught you up with a couple of banger bonus episodes on uh, the Seth Rollins Twitter war as well as the preview. We did our previews for all of the G1 tournament coming up here and our early picks as favorites of who was going to win the entire tournament. But the only way to hear those is over on at patreon.com slash BWO. Ian, uh, this, uh, this, we're getting into that time of year. Uh, it's, there is just so much wrestling coming up, starting this weekend with the G1, Slammiversary, everything you rattled off. But before we can get into some of the wrestling this week, we've got to head over and talk about the big news. Sounds like Ziggy's got some big news over there, too. Down, Roman, down. The big dog is acting up over in the corner here. Uh, Yeah, the big news, top of the list. You know, Nick, as you mentioned, we did just catch up on some bonus episodes there, and one of them was talking about the the, Seth Rollins going off on Twitter, and one of the people he lashed out at was Will Ospreay. Now, we we mentioned during that bonus episode that they kind of already squashed this beef. Osprey said it was just some sure. banter. He didn't take it too seriously. Uh, but Seth, actually, we wanted to do a quick follow-up to that bonus episode. There'll, there'll probably be more talking about it down the lines. We, we went and got really kind of... Uh, we went in deep on some other stuff besides just that. But, you know, if you want to listen to that, again, join us on Patreon and support the show and check that out. But... Well, as, as a follow-up to the specific part about Rollins and Osprey, Seth Rollins did come out and apologize this week on Twitter. And not just like a fake apology, like Lars Sullivan apologizing for harassing people online. This was a real apology uh, where he said, quote, After a few days to sit on it, I'd like to apologize to Will Ospreay for the tweet I sent his way about comparing bank accounts. It was dumb of me and not in line with my values. The moment I pressed the send button, I knew it was trash but I'm too stubborn for my own good. He went on to say, I stand firm in my sentiments that WWE is the best pro wrestling on the planet and that I'm doing the best of the best, excuse me, and that I'm the best of the best doing it right now. After a hell of a week of travel, our crew didn't waver for a second. Top level humans busting their asses for the love of the game. I couldn't be more proud to be a champion with this company and represent WWE and the entire industry in the way it deserves. No more garbage tweets. I can and will be better. Nick, what is your takeaway from this? Uh, do you feel that this was strictly politically motivated? Do you take this at his word as being a very genuine response? Do you feel this was uh, their social media team? Because we, we speculated whether or not this whole thing was orchestrated. What, how, do you, how do you read this? What is your speculation on what this is? Two things. One, it was him tweeting all the time. Uh, is, it way, was? Is, it, is what I take away. It, it may have been like triggered by someone saying, hey, Seth, why don't you go out there? The numbers are down for stomping grounds. Can you go out and pump it up, Mr. Universal Champion, for us? So maybe that's where it was instigated or interfered with. But what this tells me is that, one, they didn't – it was him. WWE PR did not like the response to it, so they maybe helped him craft an an apologetic response, lesson learned, yada, yada, yada. But it, it feels genuine. 
You know, it, this yeah. all feels genuine from Seth. So maybe he did get frustrated. Maybe it was a little bit of a temper tantrum. Fine. It's Seth Rollins. We love Seth. So it's it's all fine. Yeah, you know, and and it's I think we're so worried about getting quote worked all the time <laughs> that it's tempting to try to read in a lot of things to you know to everything like oh well it must be a conspiracy it must, you know maybe it's the PR department. I would like to take this at face value and assume the whole thing was Seth all along. Maybe he got a push, as you said, to make a tweet promoting the company or, hey, you know, as you said, Seth uh, puts out something nice about, you know, promote the company for uh, for for stomping grounds. Like the, whatever it was, he maybe he was at the at the worst motivated. But I'd like to assume that everything came from him, him and inside of him and his heart. And that's why it was so arguably poorly phrased. To begin with, so yeah, I'd like to take it at that. And if that's the case, then I I do really it does really sound and feel like a genuine apology. Right. Which again, these days, you know, for some reason, people have a hard time coming out with a genuine, complete retraction and owning mistakes when they make them. So when I do see that, when I do see someone owning their mistake, uh, it's it feels good, and it's, yeah, it, it does definitely it, it engenders more empathy and understanding than if someone just says well you guys didn't get what i was saying but you know i guess you guys are all got hot under the collar so whatever <laughs> i guess i shouldn't have said that yeah that's not a genuine apology this no. was so kudos to seth and uh yeah i'm glad that this was officially squashed even though osprey said before and after don't even worry about it like it was just banter no harm done no big deal yeah. took it for what it was so good stuff unfortunately we got to talk about some bad stuff and that is we have to say rest in peace to one of the legends of Lucha Libre, El Perro Aguayo. And he passed away this week. Um, actually, just uh, very, very recently, I think like a day or so ago. Uh, he has been, he'd been wrestling ever since 1968. He was one of the founders of AAA, one of the biggest stars in Lucha history. Uh, you could compare him to like a Dusty Rhodes. Meltzer compared him to uh, Terry Funk. But he said that that was actually a compliment to Terry Funk because Aguayo was way bigger than Funk ever was. Wow. So, uh, so yeah, it's a big deal. He passed away. Uh, notably, he has not he had not been the same ever since his uh, son passed away in the ring in a match with Rey Mysterio during, uh, with a freak ring accident. Um, broke his now gave him like severe whiplash and killed him in the ring. Um, and he hadn't been the same ever since then. So, rest in peace, Pedro Aguayo. Uh, Always worth going back and checking out his matches because he was extremely popular, very influential in Mexico, and uh, a hell of a talent, hell of a part of the industry. So yeah, no kidding. Rest, rest in peace. In peace. I do, for I do sure. have one other piece of injury news that I need to get to really quickly here. Uh, hot off the presses. Uh, internet personality Superhuman is apparently now out for two weeks with an elbow injury after taking a elbow mic shot to a microwave off of his porch. Now we apologize to the juggalos and juggalettes out there that we we will we will keep you up to date on superhuman status as much as we can. But uh, is, is <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm getting worked by this injury or not. We to be determined right now. But stay tuned. Why are we, will why are we giving Why are we giving this guy press? Let's move on and talk about <laughs> some real news. And to do that, let's go over and talk about Monday Night Raw. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, let's let's be serious for just a second. Monday Night Raw has been kind of in my not-so-good graces for the last <laughs> while. 
Okay. I can remember the last time that I, the last Raw that I can really remember, like, overwhelmingly enjoying was probably one of the ones around Daniel Bryan's time frame, the Occupy Raw, something like that. You got to go back that far oh, to wow. where I was just really, like, four or five years, really. To the ones that just stand out, like, I absolutely remember it. It's like the Daniel Bryan Occupy Raw. This one's going to, I'm going to remember this one. Wow. This one this week was, because of the way that they turned things around, it, it was at least 30 minutes into the show before anyone picked up a mic. So I just wanted to say that before we start breaking down the show, uh, we have tons of information around the, the numbers being up like by 10% hour by hour all across the show. So before we talked about any of the breaking down, I just wanted to get that out there. Two thumbs up from Raw, for me on Raw this week. Do you think that's because Paul Heyman unzipped his executive executive directorship onto the show, or was it just that they were like things just went well this week? Do you feel like oh. it was a fundamental change that caused it for you, or should we break down the show and uh, you can you can say which things were working for you specifically? I don't know if I like referring to uh, Mr. Heyman's Heyman as uh, his executive directorship, uh, but sure, that's that's a. Uh, Fun. I mean, things did get more extreme. And uh, Nick, to start off talking about about Raw this week, let me ask you a question: Explosions? Yes, electrical yes. electrical sparks and explosions and stuff. The oh. fireworks came early on Raw this week. We had at the top of the show, out of nowhere, a Falls Count Anywhere match between Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley, which right off the bat. Going, if you look back at when Braun got really hot and actually got Roman Reigns, probably one of the first times since he went solo, like the, that was the hottest Roman Reigns was for a while, was when the, Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman had their feud where they just destroyed everything and ran around the whole building wrecking stuff. This felt like that. Braun and Lashley just were tearing through the whole arena, wrecking stuff. It ended up on the stage itself, the top of the ramp, with Bobby Lashley yelling in front of the... Of the uh, the LED board, I guess, and Braun just charged him and football tackled him right through the damn thing. And then everything went dark and explosions happened. It, it was reminiscent of the Mick Foley rock. I quit match when they fell off of the barricade onto the power boxes and everything blew up and the arena went dark. Um, and, uh, and of course in the documentary beyond the mat, they started playing. It's, you know, what a wonderful world as they focused on mixed kids <laughs> looking scared yes. up at the, where his body fell. But yeah, this was a big moment and they replayed it all night and they called back to it all night. All week. This, this felt all week. This felt different though than some of the other big spots, you know, Braun pulling down the scaffolding or Braun flipping an ambulance or pulling a truck. Those were all dealt with by some incredulity by yeah. the announcers, but then afterwards they moved right on like nothing else. This felt fundamentally different. Corey Graves even gave a holy shit after it happened, which was aired live and then bleeped out for the uh, Hulu edition of right. the show and, and replays. Like they even kept it in for the Hulu edition and bleeped it. Like normally they would, that's they happened before it. and they'll just cut around it. Cut it straight out. Yep. Um, do you, I mean, real quick, let's con let's concentrate on that for a second. Do you think that that was intentional? Sure. That they 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 told him to swear there. I be I believe he, <laughs> I believe he was encouraged to do so. Because here's say here's that. my opinion. Yeah, I, they have a 10 second delay. Yeah. If they didn't want to have that broadcast, it would not have been broadcast. Period. 
So yes, they absolutely, I believe they absolutely wanted Corey's curse on the air to, to heighten that it, what, that all this wasn't supposed to happen. The very muted way that they were talking about it afterwards, like they were genuinely scared for Braun and Lashley as they were being loaded into the ambulances and taken away. And the way that the, the hush tones cutting back to the three announcers, Renee looked like, you know, she was actually acting. She looked like she was terrified. Right. Corey and, and Michael and Michael Cole looked like they were unsettled and disturbed by the whole thing. It felt different. They didn't get back to normal. They didn't feel like they just like brushed it off and like, no, we have it up next on Raw. It was, it felt different than how they presented it before. Is this, do you feel that this was a touch of Paul Heyman right here? being the director and saying, this is how this is going to go. I think and so. And if so, was, if so, was it successful? Was it, was, it, was it one of the things you liked about Raw? Absolutely. Uh, normally, we're not seeing anybody get hands on each other till at least 30 minutes into the show. This week, we didn't see anybody pick up a microphone or talk into a mic for 30 minutes into the show. And I think that right there is one of the things that have been grating on people for a long time, is these long, drudging 30-minute promos and introductions and... Uh, okay, this week, no hesitation, two big dudes coming out, beating the absolute shit out of each other, and then the explosion of it, getting a swear online, on, on, on live TV. Hell yeah, that'll get people's attention and get, oh, what the hell are they going to do next? You know, so of course and they, they were, stuck around, right? Yeah, and there were some other things that, that happened in this week of the show that we'll get to that seems like they're going more edgy. And we had heard rumors that they wanted to, that Fox wanted them to be a little bit more edgy, you know, not not scare off the uh, the family um, metric, but at the same time, they wanted to make the show a little bit more, feel a little bit more unsafe. And if that's if this is their statement for doing that, that's a damn good start. And it's the best thing that could have happened to the both of these guys because they both look like absolute monsters after this. And, and also, frankly, this feud that was very average and kind of meh, now, now this feels like they're going to come back and want to really kill each other. Now people are going to see this and be like, what's happening next? It's the best thing that could have happened to both of these guys. Mm. Mm. Speaking mm. of the best things that could have happened to people, let's talk about AJ Styles and Ricochet and the club because a lot of stuff happened here this week as well. Throughout the show and then culminating in the third hour. As you know, Ricochet and AJ Styles had a match last week. Well, this week, we had another match between AJ Styles and Ricochet, this time for the U.S. title. But it was caused because the club started needling AJ. The Good Brothers started telling AJ, oh, you know, maybe you're not as good as you thought you were because Ricochet almost beat you. And started saying, well, you know, they started, they started stirring the pot, uh, you could say, by telling him that Ricochet had been talking smack after they went over and and uh, we're getting in Ricochet's face and kind of bullying him a little bit. Um, Nick, what did you think about, just let's, let's talk about this particular part of it. What did you think about the club working AJ here? And then also when AJ finally confronts Ricochet, the way that AJ and Ricochet interacted. What, did, did you like all of this or was this, did this feel different than how they normally handle characterizations on the show? Um, this felt different because it was Ricochet going up, almost idolizing AJ in a way, of, or, or at least, you know, oh my God, I get to fight with AJ. That's amazing. And then at a certain point, you can see him flip the switch and say, yeah, but I'm still not scared of you. Uh, this, is still, this is still kind of, you know, you're, I'm still going to bring it, but I'm super excited to have a fight with you, AJ. It was very babyfacious, very, like, I just I couldn't get a complete handle on it. When we got to the match, 
you could st- certainly start to see these guys start to turn it on. And when we got to that first pinfall, I was a little bit scared. I was like, oh, no, really? That's it? No. No, no we no, need a no, commercial no. break. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So they did the whole thing where uh, Ricochet's leg was under the ropes. John Cone runs in and goes, nope, nope. We're restarting the match because we needed a commercial break. But Ricochet's foot was under the rope. And then we started to get another 10 to 15% of what these guys are capable of. I can't wait until they just turn these two loose. This is pay-per-view quality dream match kind of stuff right here. And two aspects I want to touch on with this, because I agree. I feel like they're they're just warming up. Last week was a lovely little match, but it was a warm-up. This was an even better match or arguably pair of matches, but it still felt like they were te- like testing the waters and they've got so much left in the tank. Yeah. Two things I liked about this. One was the fact that when AJ confronted Ricochet backstage and decided that he was going to take it to the next level and slapped Ricochet in the face because it, of what he felt was disrespect, Ricochet, without hesitation, slapped him right back. And the thing is, up until now, I've been worried because Ricochet has been just naturally he comes across as this kind of very shy, effacing, bashful guy. But this showed a backbone, a spine. And this was the best possible way they could have showed that Ricochet may seem like a nice guy and just the whitest of white meat baby faces, but don't mess with him because he'll slap your ass right back. Yeah. That was, that was the, my favorite moment of this whole feud so far was that moment where you realized that, yes, they allowed Ricochet to show a backbone, to show that he's not going to back down to anybody. That is, the, that is necessary for a baby face. Um, and I, it gave him, I think, so much more rope to work with in terms of his kind of sweet portrayal of, of his character or of himself. Right. Because it, it, it did show that extra, you know, meat underneath there. But uh, also with the match itself, I liked the changing dynamics of the match. The fact that it, again, started off as a competition and then it evolved into a thing of pride for AJ. Because at the end of the match, Ricochet beat him. He beat him the second time. AJ got him the first time, but Ricochet, as you said, foot was under the ropes, restarted the match. But Ricochet beat AJ that second time. And the club was by the side of the ring saying, well, we told you so, AJ which made AJ lose his mind and beat the absolute crap out of Ricochet. Uh, Gave him a second rope styles clash. Just beat the piss out of the poor boy. And the ending of the show, AJ Styles turning heel and two-sweeting the good brothers. The club is reformed and they're bad guys. Nick, do do you like that the club is reformed, that AJ is heel again? And that we're, as you said, we're heading for what could be just an awesome feud with AJ and Ricochet. Yes, all of that. Yes, more of it. <laughs> Give it put the it in your only eye holes. way they can make this better <laughs> is if Finn Balor walks out in face paint in a weird jacket oh, and, and we get the old dubstep techno music. Prince Devitt returns. Yeah. Telling you, man, they're, they're, I, I wouldn't put it past him at this point. It's, no, he's too big. First of all, AJ and and Finn barely crossed paths in Bullet Club. It was one was out and the next one came in. Like I don't even think they so? crossed paths at all. Well, AJ as the leader of the club makes more sense because when when Finn Balor was the leader, it was a totally different outfit. I get that. Not totally different, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it does it wouldn't make real sense. And also at this point, AJ is the nominal leader. The only time AJ and Finn have crossed paths, Finn won. So does that mean that AJ takes a, a backseat to Finn? I, I, I don't nah. Keep him away from this. I like the dynamic the way we have it right now. Uh 
Sure. And I'm I, I'm fascinated to see AJ go heel again, even though it was the exact same way he went heel against John Cena. Uh, I didn't I didn't mind. No. This is good stuff. This was apparently the plan. Like we were we were skeptical. I will admit that I was sitting here thinking that it was just a ploy to get over in Japan was to have the club reform. But apparently this is a long-term thing. They were planning this before Paul Heyman got the executive director position. Um, but I'm loving this. I think this is a great idea and hopefully they can handle this well going forward. I love the fact that they seem like they've got their, like they, they're absolutely uh, strap and ricochet here. So fantastic. Good I'm, stuff. All I'm all, I'm all fine with this. Just please don't do the ha- same stupid beat up John Cena thing with it, with ricochet this time. Just do something different. You don't need it. It doesn't need a catchphrase. You know? I wouldn't be mad if we suddenly had beat up Ricochet going on. I wouldn't be mad at that. I if it turned in, if it turns into a bunch of dick punches, then yeah. then you'll piss me off. <laughs> well, at least that's a heel thing to do. Right? Yeah. So the one last thing about this, it does appear that Gallows and Anderson are sticking around. We had heard reports they were out in September when their contracts were up, but they have not actually signed new contracts. But the report coming out is that they are open to signing new contracts now. Um, WWE has been trying to lock everyone down with new five-year contracts. We've been hearing about a lot of people signing contracts. So apparently they tempted these guys back with this whole club angle and, uh, they will, they will stick around and make that money going forwards. Uh, we've also got to talk about a big old, it was a tag match that during the commercial break turned into a three on three match, the new day versus the war Raiders, which became Kofi Kingston with the new day versus the war Raiders. And Samoa Joe, after Samoa Joe came out and tried to interfere, and Kofi came out to stop that from happening, uh, it turned uh, into another match. Uh, it, Ian, it, mm. it, it's the Viking Raiders experience. What did I say? War Raiders. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ex- what did war, I say? War Viking Raiders experience. It's not war. It's not. You war. heard what I said. <laughs> Hanson and Rowe were war out machine. there in the ring. <sighs> God. Anyway, uh, so we... <laughs> So we had this. <laughs> so war, it's still the war raiders to me, Nick. It's still the war raiders to me. It's war uh, machine. We, it's it's still war machine. Yeah, yes. you ain't kidding. Uh, do we even need to continue talking about this at this point? We're, I'm I'm so derailed by by despondency over the fact that the, they are just. I don't know. They feel like they've stopped. They, okay, so we've got. What are they uh, doing the Viking, with them? The it's Viking the War Raider machine experience. We've got them back in a major position. Did they feel like they were a big deal now? Or did they just feel like replacements for what AOP was for all, which is the big guys doing big guy things in the tag division? Uh, they feel like the next kind of healy, shitty tag team. You know, did I, they, were they were they heels here? Were they true heels here? Or was that just because of association with Samoa Joe? That's the way I took it. They were heels because of a so, guilty by association. So does I, that make that does that make them more boring though? Because they're not being defined as, as anything. Uh, uh, yeah, it makes them a little more boring. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not watching the match for them. I'm watching to see what Samoa Joe does next. Frankly, so which is when what he does next is choke out Kofi Kingston in the middle of the ring to win the match. Chokes him out hard. Kofi's selling it like death. Mwah, beautiful stuff. The uh, the Samoa Joe Kofi Kingston feud. I I love that. Um, everything else here was window dressing, though. As far as I was concerned, yeah. I was just I don't know, kind of sad what happened. Yeah. With uh with Viking War Raider Machine. 
Uh, we've also got to talk about Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. They had a match with they were they had a very awkward backstage promo uh, where they <laughs> uh, way too much when they were asked if Seth was too impulsive. I'm not really sure what the hell is going on there, Nick. And then suddenly we had Maria Kanellis show up with Mike ben- uh, Kanellis and run them down, and we end up in a match between Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. And Mike and Maria Kanellis? What the now, what the heck is this? I, I want to I say real quick, if you remember back old Mike Bennett, mm. I got really excited at the prospect of a Seth, Roll- Seth Rollins-Mike Bennett feud. I, got re- I went, oh, this could be good. Oh, these, oh, this could be, mm, okay, I, I ain't mad at this. New Raw, well, what's up? Okay, yes, I'm, oh, God, no. Oh, as, it as went a man downhill who gave, real fast. <laughs> you gave this Raw two thumbs up, so I wanted to know what you thought about this when basically Seth squashed Mike, Yeah. and when he tagged in Becky and she went to kill Maria Kanellis, Maria Kanellis all of a sudden grabs a mic and starts shrieking, you can't hit me, I'm pregnant. And then starts telling Mike that he said he could beat Seth and he couldn't and he's not a man. He's not man enough to be the father of her baby. Becky Lynch is it's more likely Becky Lynch impregnated me. I don't know what because Becky Lynch was a man. Oh, it got real weird real quick. My my head ended up in my hands where I was just going, Oh God, what it what I oh no. yeah, my jaw was on the floor. Not in a good way. Oh, this this felt to me, and I know, I know, this is just such a a trident to try. It's like the Attitude Era. This did feel like one of those crazy Vince Russo ideas, where oh uh, well, she's pregnant and suddenly hates her husband, and yeah, and it just got weird. And there was no punchline to the joke. It was just weird for weirdness's sake. And did it make for TV that? was good like water cooler tv yeah but that's not necessarily a good thing um one added little aspect to this is that we do know that mike and maria canellis just re-signed with wwe for five years right but we also know that maria just revealed to them after signing this contract that she was pregnant for the second time pregnant this is the second time they've done this guys legit pregnant um there was speculation and keep in mind it was just speculation that this was a ploy by the Canellises to get a good downside contract from WWE and then before telling them, oh, by the way, we're not going to be able to wrestle for the first year of that uh, that contract. And then the speculation went on to say, well, this is why they were buried here because this was a complete emasculation of Mike Bennett by Maria. It made Maria look like a, a shrieking, insane woman and it made Mike look like a, a henpecked loser. It did not make either of them look good, and it is – how shall I put this? Um, It's well within WWE's wheelhouse to humiliate people that they want to humiliate. Just ask Zack Ryder, uh, among many, many others. Do you feel like this – because the counter-argument is how is it a burial if you have a match against the top stars in WWE? The counter-argument to that, of course, is, well, by having you look like an idiot in that match. What do you think is really going on here, Nick? Do you feel like this – Maria has come out and said it absolutely wasn't a ploy. They didn't know they were pregnant until after they signed the contracts. What? Break all this down, man. Unpack this. What is actually going on here? 
So I actually I remember talking to Jared while we were we were, I was watching Raw and and as soon as that happened I went oh maybe they went and got uh, Russo back to complete the trifecta <laughs> right it did feel and like I immediately Russo started going out and like looking for press releases and saying you know Vince Russo returns to WWE that, that's ex- right. that was exactly my thought was that mm. we've got we've now got him back too um I don't know if if you're not going to steer the ship into the mixed match intergender wrestling kind of like what they're doing with Tessa and Sam Callahan over in, in impact. If you're not going to steer into that and actually use it, why are you doing all this stuff at all? It just breaks down and ends up into misogynistic crap every single time. Just completely useless misogynistic crap. I don't, I, this is not, you know, maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago, this is why we watch the stuff, but this is not why we watch it anymore. I wasn't as worried about any potentially apparent misogyny, which I, I didn't really get that from this segment. It just felt like Maria was nuts, not just, you know, because, you know, you had Becky out there too. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it was just it was weird. It was, well, that's kind of where I'm going with this, is yeah. it didn't have a punchline. There was a bit of a punchline on 205 Live where they had a follow-up to it. But at the same time, it wasn't like it was a good follow-up, if yeah. you know what I mean. Right. I didn't, I didn't feel like it was it, – it, it didn't help. Yeah. It didn't help at all. Maria's been a fantastic valet for a long time for Mike, and it's, he's a fantastic wrestler. We were really high on when Mike Bennett was coming over a couple of years ago in, in our first, first year doing this show. Holy smokes. And uh, you know, to see how they've been treated – look, Maria as a valet would have been fine. Set up a map between Seth – and Mike Bennett, that would have been, he could have come out and challenged him, fine. Have Maria do it, a la uh, Zelina Vega, so to speak. Uh, just go the two into a match. Have Maria get involved. Have Becky come out for the save. You could have done this exact same thing and just handled it a lot differently and actually had a decent wrestling match out of these two men. Hashtag my wrestling. But the, I, I agree, but at the same time, there's I don't, I don't see WWE going all the way hardcore into intergender matches like Impact is doing right either. now. Um, this was obviously supposed to be a tease for the Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans mixed tag match at Extreme Rules, which, fine, I get that. What it's I don't so get extreme. Is, uh, it's, well, it, it, there, there are Extreme Rules, Nick. It's just, you know. <sighs> okay. They're just not normal. They're not normal rules. No. They're extreme. Anyway, my problem with this bit here was that it didn't seem to have a point. It just and the only point that people could find was that WWE was mad with Mike and Maria Kanellis because it made them look like a loser and his insane wife. Yep, that's really all. Just it being was. petty. So, just being petty, and the the Kanellises can spin it however they want on Twitter. That's still the perception, and I'm not really sure where they're going to go with this. Obviously, we'll talk about it more in 205 Live, but. As far as a Monday Night Raw segment, even from the start with the with the Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch backstage promo, this was for me. This whole thing was the low point of Monday Night Night Raw, and that's on a Monday Night Raw where the Undertaker showed up and kind of bungled his lines. We had Seth and Drew out in the ring to say, "Well, Roman got all scared and ran to the Undertaker for help," and bong, lightning bolts out comes the Undertaker and says. He didn't come asking me for help. I came out because I am the collector of wayward souls, and I'm here for your souls, and where yeah. you're going, you will never rest in peace, et cetera, et cetera. All of the, the, the greatest hits from the Undertaker promo playbook. But he did seem 
I don't know, Nick, was this him forgetting his lines or just not knowing where he was going? It just, it did not have the same kind of mm, gravitas that we're used to from Undertaker. I want you to imagine something for a minute. I want you to imagine that for 30 years, you've had to say about 80%, (laughs) pretty much the exact same lines. And you've been in just about every city, big and small, across the country, delivering these lines. And you've done this at 25 plus 30 WrestleManias at this point, delivering these lines. And you've done it on Raw and SmackDown and house shows and everything, everywhere. You've been giving these lines for 30. I That guy... Uh, has been, uh, you know, if he if he forgets his lines or fumbles his lines, that's fine. I wouldn't know what city or town or feud or whatever I was in anymore either. And, you know, kudos to him for still showing up, but I think there should be some level of work. It, it, there should be some level of effort put into well, knowing sounded, where you are scripted. and who you're in a feud with. I don't know if I entirely understand your logic here. Wait, he said his lines so many times that it makes sense that he would forget them no it just, you, you forget what city you're in and what feud you're in and who you're working with and blah, 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 he's blah, in his blah. home he's in his home state of texas it's not like he's in saskatchewan he's 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 around his home i, I would assume he would dial it up for his home i can only assume he got the lines right before he went out and he was just trying to remember them that's my take yeah on this or he could have just been phoning it in or he could have or he could have just been phoning it in but given how much he's getting paid these days Get a phone book. You know what I mean? Like, right. come on. Take um, five minutes before you come out and go, okay, here are my big bullets. Okay, I'm good. Yeah. The yeah. fact that it's that probably because it took him 30 minutes to get down to the ring that he forgot in that amount of time. <laughs> you know, I was, I, I, I was thinking about this when uh, watching him come out. I was like, you know, the good thing about being the Undertaker is that you always walk like an old man, so no one will know the difference when you walk at the same pace when you're an old man. Yeah. That being said, I, I feel bad crapping on The Undertaker. He's one of the all-time greats. It's just, I'm, I, 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 as I've said before on this show, I'm ready for him to go. Yes. I'm ready for him to retire. It's not fun anymore. It's not funny. It's not fun. It's, it's kind of painful. It's yeah. a little cringy. Um, that being said, God damn it, I still liked it when the lightning bolt hit and the music came. I still marked out for it. I he thought we were just going to get that, and then, I mean, we, for about thirty seconds before his the gongs ever hit, we got the mm. teasing thunder cracks and and lightning and all that stuff, and we got the arcing lightning down to the ring again. Uh, okay, that could have been cool. enough, right? Cool. Yeah, I, yeah that was but, awesome. Uh, but yeah, Seth and Drew escaped out of the ring. That was to come back and haunt them later in the week on SmackDown. We'll get to that in a second. First thing I got to ask you, Nick, is did the did Raw call up the NXT Tag Team Champions? I don't know. Because the Street Profits, they had a what looked like an accidental flash of them backstage at the top of the show, although it wouldn't surprise me if that was an intentional mistake to excite you to stick around and see what happened with that later in the show. But they were all over the show. They were popping up in interviews. Paul Heyman had an interview, and they popped up and made fun of him and rubbed hey, his, his big old bald head man. in his belly. Uh <laughs> I they had an cutting, absolute blast with this. I thought they were it was cutting fantastic. Promos on Brock. It was it was very fun. It was a lot of fun, and they're very fun, entertaining guys in the mode of like a new day, or as I've said before, kind of like like too cool if they were turned up to eleven. Yeah. Um, I do worry about them falling into the classic Vince McMahon trope of the dancing happy African Americans, which they already seem to be doing on Raw. But hey, man, if that helps push them to the top, then more power to them. 
Um, I just wonder, like, are we having another NXT call-up already? And if so, why are you calling up the champs? Shouldn't shouldn't there be something sacred in NXT where, like, you can have appearances by the champs, like with like as you said with KO when he came up and challenged John Cena? Yeah, like appearances by the champ, put them over as the champ, and then let them go back, and they're not called up. Like, or or what do you think this was? Was this an actual call up, or was this just an appearance to? put over NXT or put over Street Profits, um, have them test the waters. What was this? I think they might have just been testing the waters. We're missing that kind of fun tag team right now. Heavy Machinery is kind of filling that gap a little bit. I was just going to say. They just, they're just they just now kind of getting active. They, they bombed miserably when they were coming in and interrupting Moment of Bliss and doing stupid shit like that. But now that they're actually wrestling, they can do, do a little I think they're coming in and just having fun. Is it an official call-up? I hope not. I don't think they're ready yet. I don't think there's room. I think they're ready. I think there's room. I don't think that you should be calling up the champions of NXT. Right. Or That's a New Day point. clone, so to speak. Well, if you have them on the other brand, and they do, I think they do have enough differentiating them from New Day, but it, it is still pretty close. New Day is kind of starting to swing in a different, different direction themselves, too. I think they're redefining themselves. Um, which is you know great for both teams, and it looks like you know, well I guess the brand split's kind of breaking up too. So I don't know I don't know how I feel I don't li- I don't like it Nick. I like seeing them on Raw. I liked them showing off how charismatic they are to a fan base that may not know them yet. But I they are calling up way too many people from NXT when they have not used the toys they've already called up, and if that's going right. to be their business model moving forward. That is self-defeating in the extreme. That is absolutely self-defeating. Where instead of working with the the elements that you already have and trying to make them work, you just keep injecting new things. And if they don't immediately work, then you just forget about them and let them languish. That's that's mental. Yeah. That's absolutely unconscionable. But uh, yeah, we will see what happens with Street Profits going forward. Uh, we also had a segment where Miz, the Miz was on a rampage. He's a pissed off babyface now that he's been beaten down and humiliated by Shane for months after months. And he wanted to get his back on Elias in a two out of three falls match, Nick, because we have to be able to cut to commercial. Right. And uh, as you would expect in a match where you have to cut in the middle of the match and have it restarted and a two out of three falls match. Well, Miz got a really quick skull crushing finale on Elias and Elias got a really quick drift away on Miz and they were tied at one fall apiece. Uh, uh, are you already sick and tired of this commercial break nonsense? How is this going to be sustainable? It's not. Period. I, I don't, I <laughs> don't right. know. I'm already over it. Uh, you're kind of killing the whole MO of a two out of three falls match anyway. It's supposed to, you know, the, why even have two out of three falls matches? Has anybody that you can remember ever gotten the first two pinfalls without even needing a third? Like, what's Yes, we point? had it a couple weeks ago. We yeah. had it a couple weeks ago. Uh, oh. Kofi and Seth. They, they picked up the first and second fall in a tag match against, I think it was Daniel Bryan and Rowan, but I don't remember. Uh, no, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. They picked up both the first and second fall. Okay. So it does, ha- it does happen. But my point is, is that when you have people picking up pinfalls as quickly, I think it undermines the wrestlers and the wrestling itself. Um, and we're just waiting for that third fall part of the match because we know that's where the real meat of the match is going to happen. And even with that, this was a short match because that Miz picked up that third fall Fairly quickly, and he looked like a heroic baby face. He's going to rip through the entire locker room uh, if it helps him get back at Shane. 
which is great. I love the characterization that they're having of Miz right now. Classic babyface stuff, and he's doing a good job with it. I just, again, I question this booking. I can't wait for them to get rid of this commercial break nonsense because it's messing up their 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 booking. I don't, they're going to have to find other ways of getting around it. Book whole matches in between your commercial breaks and figure out a way to work it that way because it's it's absolutely insane. One final thing on Raw, we had a match between we had well we had a moment of bliss which turned into a match between Carmella and Alexa. Alexa lost to Carmella, but then the match was restarted with Nikki Cross versus Carmella and Nikki picked up the win. So this this story to uh, I would say we continue this on SmackDown Nick because this did continue on SmackDown. This is some excellent long-term storytelling between Alexa and Nikki and ultimately Bailey as well and this played into that. Uh, do you mind Carmella, like like Nikki looking like the stronger person here? Did that hurt Carmella at all because she beat Alexa? That looked good. Like was that was the booking all fine for you here, or was this just kind of fluff and you'd rather talk about the overall storyline by going to SmackDown Live? Yeah, that sounds like a better idea. Well, let's do that, Nick. Let's head on over and talk about SmackDown Live. Well, before we get it back into that one, um, I just wanted to say that I, I enjoy the thing that's going on with Nikki and Alexa Bliss overall. Um, the Carmella angle here was kind of just one more little notch in that whole thing that's going on. But I, I'm anxious to see where they go with Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. But we'll keep talking about that. First up, we have to talk about the KO show. Kevin Owens' show returned. Um, so it's a matter uh, the KO show came back. This time, it upset Shane. Uh, we ended up getting a tag match with Dolph Ziggler and Kevin Owens, which is just weird. Uh, uh, well, face, so facing was, off against heavy machinery. This whole thing was weird. You know, Kevin Owens had Shane and Drew on the Kevin Owens show, and right off the bat, it did. Kevin Owens did feel a little bit different, and he started actually needling Seth, uh, Shane a little bit about him running away from the Undertaker on Monday night. And kind of getting under Shane's skin a bit here. And then for some reason, Dolph Ziggler came out as things were getting heated to, to whine and plead. Kevin Owens absolutely murdered Dolph Ziggler on the mic, uh, imitating him his, his whole it should have been me thing. I mean, all, all of a sudden, Kevin Owens is, is facing off against the heels on the mic and standing up for himself. In retaliation, Shane put them in a tag match, as you said, against Heavy Machinery, and the winner of that match would be inserted into the tag team title picture at Extreme Rules. Um, and we had that match at the end of the show. Was this too much? Like we were saying on Raw, it was great because we had 45 minutes of action at the top of the show. This was the Kevin Owens show at the top of the show, and it was a lot of talking to open the show. Was it too much, or were they setting up for later in the show, and that was fine because it was setting the table for later in the show? Which 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 do you feel it was here? Um, it was kind of pouring mushy peas on my plate because I, you know, I, I didn't I don't like mushy peas, but I don't okay. really mind. I like <laughs> dinner. I just don't want to eat mushy peas. I don't really like Kevin Owens and, and Dolph Ziggler together. Really? No. I thought obviously you're supposed to be an odd couple, and it did fall apart by the end of this tag match sure. at the end of the show. The heavy machinery Kevin Owens Dolph Ziggler tag match was fun. Everyone got their spots in. It looked good. It was a fun match. But of course, at the end, miscommunication. Kevin Owens super kicks Dolph Ziggler. They scru- They have a little scuffle. Everything falls apart at the end, and it ends. The whole show ends with Kevin Owens laying out Dolph Ziggler and screaming, "This is my show!" to the audience. So two things here, man. Was this a Kevin Owens face turn? Because he's not going to be stuck with Dolph Ziggler. Um, unless maybe they have a feud. I don't know how I feel about that feud. I'm more curious about Kevin Owens going back to being a face so soon after being a face 
turning heel suddenly. Now face is again. It, and now his face again? I mean, are they basically just like, well, we had to turn him heel because of, you know, reasons. But now that those reasons are done, we're going back with the original plan and he's going to be have a face run. Is right. that what's happening here, do you think? I hope not. Wait, are we going to, okay, really? is Sammy going to stay heel and now we're going to have Kevin Owens and Sammy? Maybe. I mean, maybe they had a long-term plan for that to happen. Maybe. And this, they, were just, they were just delaying it. That's, that's, uh, that's what I'm trying to think about. This. Has it, it ever it's worked out well when they flip people this fast like this? Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it flip-flop this much. I mean, probably since the days of Big Show. Huh? But at the same time, I wanted to see more of the Kevin Owens face character. I, you know, we and I were both talking about the everyman Kevin Owens when he first came back as a face. And we liked the idea. So there's a part of me that is, I'm ready to see Kevin Owens be a face. I'm very curious about what he would do as a face. Lord knows he can get the crowd behind him, as he did here. We've been conditioned to hate him for the last few weeks, you know, a couple months, and then his entire WWE career before that with a small blip of faceness. But he was able to get the crowd back on his side both times during the show. One when he was facing down Shane and just eviscerating Dolph Ziggler on the mic. And the other time at the end of the show where he stood tall. So I don't know. I, I feel like he could go face and have it be successful again. It's just, it's crazy that it happened so quickly if yeah. that's what this is. And if it's not, then what a weird kind of half swerve. You know, if it's just, if this was just a thing that happened this one week. I think this is one of those to be determined things. I think they're going to have to tell us exactly what they intend to do here because we could speculate all day. I mean, Kevin's been all over the place since he's been called up to the main roster for the last four or five years. I so is it? We thought it was another Sammy and KO friend angle. Maybe not. Maybe they're flipping him right back to be a face. Even though we thought he was heel turning on the new day two months ago. Was it even two months ago? Six weeks ago? Yeah, something like that. I, so right I, before his feud okay. with Kofi. I mean, I'm kind of just letting go of the reins and going along for the ride at this point because I, I don't know what in the hell they're doing with Kevin Owens right now. You kind of have to just let it happen, I think, at this point, because we, we're going to have to wait and see what they do with Kevin Owens. That being said, Heavy Machinery, as we mentioned, did win this tag match. That means they are now inserted into that title match at Extreme Rules. It's going to be Daniel, Bryan's, uh, Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus the New Day versus Heavy Machinery. Of course, Daniel Bryan and Rowan and New Day were ringside during this and got into a big old scrum, which stopped the match and allowed them to have a commercial and also meant that there was pancakes everywhere. Right. But uh, do you like heavy machinery being inserted into this match, having it be a three-way? Oh, hell yes, I do. Are you kidding me? <laughs> My man loves his big boys. Oh, yeah. My man and, loves and his heavy delivered. machinery. And they won! Yeah, oh. they did. They did. Oh, they won. Uh, but, but more on Daniel Bryan and, Big, and, uh, and Rowan in a second. Let's really quickly talk about another element of New Day, and that's Kofi Kingston, because he had a promo off with Samoa Joe. They mm. met in the middle of the ring. And ugh, you give Samoa Joe a mic and poetry happens. In this particular instance, uh, they had a little bit of a war of words. And it ended with Samoa Joe saying, look, I'll make you a deal. You shake my hand and acknowledge that I've got your number. And that I'm, I'm the man that's going to take you out. Or I'm going to beat up your friends and your family. I will guarantee their safety if you shake my hand. And Kofi Kingston's response was not to shake his hand, but to flip him off. 
in his face and then give him a trouble in paradise kick and walk away standing tall. My goodness. Now, oh. two things two things here, Nick. One, yes, Kofi flipped him off, but they did a really, hmm, I'd say very telegraphed, choreographed move with the camera where they hid behind Samoa Joe's face. So you couldn't actually see the flip off, but you knew what he was doing. Well, wouldn't they and lose Samoa, their Samoa PG Joe's rating reaction. on this episode if they did that? Yeah. Uh, do you feel like that was a, like, you get what they're trying to do. Like you're trying to be edgy, but it's just, you're too obviously not able to be edgy. Like, was that a little, was that a little cringy or did uh, it work for you there? That's not something I need to see Kofi Kingston doing. Ooh, okay. Interesting. So you're not down with Kofi Kingston flipping people off. No, I think there's certain wow. people that can get away with that. Uh, I don't want to see the new day doing that. You huh. know, arbiters of happiness. I, 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 I want, that's that's who I see the new day as. They're pancakes and unicorns, and everything's fun and happy. But we can still kick butt when we need to 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 do do our jobs. This is not this. I'm wondering if this is where the beginning of the end of the new day starts. Well, so I don't. Now you're really going like I, I'm. I'm end. I'm way out there already. Wow, like I'm, oh, I'm, I'm down the road a ways. For, this is what you get for trying to book the whole year for our next uh, listener special here. Yes. Uh, so this, I, I'm not mad with Kofi showing a little bit of grit and edge by flipping off Joe. I really don't think in 2019 it's that big of a deal to have your facey face champ flip off a guy, especially when that guy just threatened your family. Sure. Um, so that's I didn't I had a, I didn't have a problem with that. It was interesting for you to bring that up. Um, what I was more interested in was the fact that Joe pointed out like all the ways that Kofi might not be the guy we think he is where he said, you know, you're using the new day, you're using the fans. And I love that Joe as a heel is trying to sow these seeds of doubt in the fans for our facey face champion, our facey face Kofi. So I like that aspect of Joe's game here. Was it okay to have Joe go out like a punk at the end? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's leading up to like Joe getting his back on Kofi in the next couple of weeks? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, next week, we're going to see a whole different kind of Samoa Joe. So do you think we have, like, there's enough time between now and Extreme Rules for Samoa Joe's threat of taking out Kofi's people to come true? That man wrote a children's book in a week. Okay? He can... <laughs> I can't wait for the vignettes on uh, WWE.com or on the Facebook channel or on Instagram or anything that or the, the social media stuff that is going to be generated uh, over the next two weeks between SmackDown on Tuesday and Extreme Rules uh, in two weeks. Oh, oh there's going to be a lot. I can't wait to see what Joe does to Kofi next week. Do you, Are you seeing a... Oh, Corey! Coming from Joe in the future. Corey, of course, being Kofi's wife's name, in case you didn't know. No. Nah. No, I don't you know don't if that becomes a running trope of Joe's. If that becomes his thing, okay. It seems kind of silly. So far, we've got Regal! And we've, I mean, I'm just saying, it's already kind of there. Uh, I, I wonder about that because he did bring up Kofi's family being at WrestleMania. I'm wondering if, once again, we get the family aspect in this because... It does make Joe more scary when he goes after everyone in your life. Yeah. Not just your boys. Like when he showed like up everybody. at AJ's house, I was genuinely going, oh God, is, is, he's not actually going in there, is he? Uh, I was actually, my only disappointment with that is that AJ's wife didn't have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
Uh, Billman's got a gun. All right. Well, moving on from this, I, I was good stuff. It was very good stuff. Looking forward to seeing what's happening with Kofi and Joe. We also had a match between Daniel Bryan and Big E. This is taking us back a few years, isn't it? Oh yeah. Uh, so, what did you think about this match? Was it because Rowan interfered to cost Big E the victory? Uh. What what was it just like a, a one off? Was it just there another way of, of promoting extreme rules? And if so, was it effective? Especially because later on we had them getting into it ringside anyway. Mm, yeah, no, this was more about the tag tag champion uh, the tag match, much like the 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 match with Heavy Machinery and them getting inserted into it. This was more of you know how we do tag team wrestling in the WWE: have a singles match with two of the guys. That's kind of what I'm saying, though, is yeah. that w- wouldn't there be something else that we could have put in this slot to build another feud or uh, another angle and when, when this is already being built in the main event anyway? Yeah. Yeah, it feels... I, I don't know what. I don't know what... I mean, where's Roman been? Dare I ask, you know? Well, he's not on SmackDown, even though he's supposedly a SmackDown he's live on all, star. He's, he's on NXT and 205 Live, too. Didn't you know that? He's on all <laughs> what, of the Roman? shows. Every, all, everything <laughs> is Roman now. Oh, yeah, the big dog goes where he wants. It's all his right. yard. Right. Yeah. Well, moving on, sir, let's talk about Apollo oh, and Andrade Cien Almas. Road shirt Whoa, watch. What? Oh, God, Road shirt watch. Road shirt watch. Because it was I a good forgot. one this week. Oh, yeah? Upon a berry burning body. I'm not going to lie. Stump me with that one. I, I was not aware of upon a burning body. It's, it's probably good. It's, it's not so much in your wheelhouse. It's a little bit of uh, new metal rap rock kind of stu- kind of jive yep, to it with laid on it laid on top of a thrash metal band a veneer but yeah I dug it I'm going to I'm going to yeah. speaking of which I'll take this moment to uh I posted it in the busted wide open discussion group on Facebook there is an official Spotify playlist out there put to, put together by yours truly here at BWO of the Rowan shirt watch that you can uh, follow and subscribe to we're going to be adding songs to that but it has at least one at least one song of the every band that Rowan has worn a T-shirt for since he started doing that earlier this year, so enjoy. And if you and if you don't have, because um, that's on Spotify. If you don't have Spotify, I believe listener Andy Jessup has a Amazon yeah. Music one. Maybe he'll be down to share that. Yes, but yeah, put uh, a link to that but, in yes. the Facebook group, Andy, please. Um, but anyway, sir, yeah, let's go on and talk about Apollo and Andrade Cien Almas. What? So this was basically this was Big E. And Daniel Bryan part two, where once again, the heel on the outside, the manager gets involved, costs the face the match. Was this repetitive booking? Was this not a good idea? Well, not a good look to have it on the same show here? You know, it's, I, I hadn't thought about it that way yet, to be fair. Um, I don't know if I would say it was repetitive. I'm just wondering what they would have put in its place. So, I, mm. eh, was it part of being the commercial breaks? Was it, was it the piss break match? Is are we sad that Andrade is now slumming it down at the bottom of the mid card with Apollo Cruz? Or I mean, yeah. Well, who is this good for? Because yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's not good it's, for us. <laughs> it, well, and I don't know if it's good for either of these guys. I'm mean, obviously it's good for Andrade because he gets a win. Sure. But uh, this is the this is where Apollo's been swimming for months, arguably years. I don't know if it's good for him. I so just, that's that's why that's is this what guy not about. having intercontinental title match builds for against Finn Balor? You know. That's what we need to see. You mean on Andrade? Yeah, well, he already had that. He already had that shot. I know, but do it more. Don't bury him down in the bottom of the mid card with Paulo Cruz catering. You know, supposedly we're waiting. We're waiting for Nakamura versus Finn. Uh, That's okay. which is which is yeah. of course what 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 was teased last week, but we didn't see any of it this week, unfortunately. 
I don't know um, how much how far that'll go. Let's let's let Bischoff get into his role and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of obvious things to point to uh, as far as Bischoff uh, Bischoff's fingers in the show this week. Kofi, sorry to have bird. another. Uh, maybe that he is more of a high concept guy than an actual booking guy. Yeah, and that does that does feel like something that he may have pitched to Vince, and Vince goes, "Oh, I love it. That's good shit." Just hide so, the camera so we can still say so, PG. <laughs> right, which, as you know, Vince got caught one time hiding a, a, a flip-off behind his hand. Yeah. He tried to flip off a crowd member. Anyway, let's move on. Let's finally get back to Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross because Alexa was nice enough to let Nikki host a moment of bliss on SmackDown Live. Nikki may be the most aware of her character woman on the roster. She is absolutely playing her like shy, socially awkward, but also crazy character. She's playing it perfectly. She came out and the way that she was delivering the, the feeling of this person whose best friend's arch enemy was on her. It's a kind of a, a confusing little headspace to, to, to get into conceptualize, but she was perfect at playing it. Here's my best friend's nemesis. I've got to interview her on this show and she's telling me things that I don't want to hear. It was great. I loved it. And it ended up, of course, turning into a match when Bailey was giving her those answers that she didn't want to hear. And finally, yeah. Nikki said, let's go have a match. And Bailey said, let's go have a match. And they ended up having a match. And Bailey beat her clean to get her win back. Uh, but obviously, and this led, I think, online, we've already seen that Alexa's now mad at Nikki for losing this match and kind of bungling the whole thing, which we know this was, we knew this was heading in that direction at some point anyway. What did you think about this whole segment? Uh, did you like the fact that Bailey got her win back? Did you like how uh, Nikki is being portrayed here? Did you like? Do you like this long-term story being told? Yeah, I do. I think this is fantastic. I, I want to see. You know, <laughs> I want to be clear about this. I, I okay. like Alexa Bliss as well. I'm happy to see her competing again. Um, so I don't want to under. I don't want to completely bypass that either. But if if. Who are we going to focus on here? Are we focused on Bailey the champion or are we focused on Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross? I'm going to say the latter. We're yeah. not giving the time and the focus and the attention on the SmackDown Live champion. If Charlotte Flair had that belt around her waist, we would not be talking about Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. No, we'd probably be talking about why the hell Charlotte was the champ again. But we'd be talking about Charlotte being the champion. I, I'm hearing very little about the fact that uh, Bailey is the champion. She, do, you're right. I, I'll agree with you on this. She doesn't feel like a legit champ because we're spending more time being invested in the ongoing drama that's building between Alexa and Nikki and Bailey. And Bailey feels like the third wheel, or the the fifth wheel, or the extra component in yeah. this whole thing. I'll agree with that. Yes, completely. that's where I'm. And I feel like that should be reversed. I don't feel I feel like Bailey is kind of dodging and sidestepping whoever she's going to fight next instead of being this stalwart big champion that's staring down both of them and going come get some. And she's kind See, of doing, she, she's kind of doing that a little bit, but the focus in the storytelling part of side of this is all around oh it's 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 Alexa and Nikki and oh are they going to screw her over and uh, all this other stuff. We're not talking about Bailey the champion. Like I want to celebrate sure. finally somebody beside Charlotte Flair is the friggin' SmackDown Live champion. Besides, yeah, Oscar. Bailey feels Bailey is a prop in the story that's being told about Alexa and Nikki. That being said, the story being told about Alexa and Nikki is great. 
I'm loving what they're doing with it, and especially how Nikki is is carrying her weight here. But I I definitely feel like Bailey is getting uh, short shrift or second billing in this. She's just kind of there. And what do you think the chances are that Alexa picks up the belt to further the storyline? Mm. Like what that? How would that affect Bailey? It it would murder her, wouldn't it? It'd kill her. Oh, I hadn't thought about that yet, but that just that blew my mind a little bit. If, because if, would, if Alexa picks this up, now you've got it coming. Just kind of completely buries Bailey, and we move on. And now it's about Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. But it's better for the Alexa and Nikki story for Alexa to pick up sure, the belt. Sure, it is, it just is. It'd be but even it just, better if, if it were actually Nikki, who who gets the belt at some point. Yeah, but at the same time. It's terrible for Bailey because she's already been put in a position of being such a, a secondary component. If they're not going to take the belt off of Bailey, why are they even bothering to do all of this stuff in the first place? And, and that's my whole Do you whole think that they can have here. a valid, uh, like, will this story between Nikki and Alexa still be as poignant or valid if the belt isn't involved? Hit or miss, 50-50. Mm. I, we're going to get to a point where we're just not going to give a shit anymore. If neither of them can win... Or if Alexa can't do it, maybe Bailey. Or sorry, uh, Nikki comes in, and she gets an opportunity because specifically this week on SmackDown, Bailey said we both know it shouldn't be Alexa in there facing me. It should be you. So why don't we yes. go? Why don't we go fight right now? And I was like, Oh God, yes, they're doing yep. it the right way. Well said. Well yep. said. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll see going forward, but uh, right now, definitely a lot of a lot of questions hanging in the air yes. about this whole feud. Another feud that's ongoing right now, but doesn't seem to be really going anywhere that quickly. Ember Moon still has issues with Fire and Desire, and this week she had a match with Mandy. 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 Um, if you are a red-blooded American male, or just a red-blooded male in general, I recommend going and checking out Mandy Rose's 4th of July tweet. You're welcome. Um, so Ember picks up the win here after doing a beautiful eclipse onto Mandy. There was... Very little, if any, interference from Sonya outside, which is great considering how much outside interference we had in matches this week. Ember gets her win back. Is this just spinning wheels, or do they have an endgame to this particular feud? Like, what do you see happening here? Um, I, I think we're still playing the lesbian angle a little bit. It feels like I it. didn't see any of it this week. I didn't see any of that this week, though. I well, was there for was it. a little bit of the kind of looks and uh, helping her out of the ring and things like that. And I feel like they're it's, maybe ebbing and flowing through that. And I want it to keep going. I really want there there to be a a sort of inclusive storyline in WWE. Agreed. And if they're going to do it and they're going to do it right, they're going to do it subtly. And that means not doing it all the damn time and not rubbing our faces in it. So if that's, that's the fair. case, then then great. I didn't catch any of it this week. And I don't need it, by the way. If it happens, great. Just don't overdo it. Right. If it doesn't happen, fine. Just have this be a standard feud between, you know, bullies and the bullied, which is what this has been so far. Okay. I just don't feel like there's a whole lot of heat in this whole feud yet there's not this hasn't really hit its stride there's not enough weight going on here so i'm waiting yeah. for this to kick off because i i feel like this could be really good um a couple more things on smackdown we've got a ton of other stuff to talk about nick let's knock this out yes. ali cut another very nice promo out in the parking lot about creating change about how he's going to be the wwe champion and when people see him someone that looks like them or hears a name that's like theirs that's part of the change he's trying to create Great promo. Ali's an awesome promo. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him 
when he comes back. Um, Alistair Black once again gave one of his crazy promos in his little dark room, uh, this time saying that the man who knocked on his door last week wasn't there when he opened the door, which means that they're fighting on not only a physical level, but a psychological, mental, and spiritual level. Ooh. And he challenges the guy who knocked on his door to meet him at Extreme Rules for a match. Oh, Nick. Have, have they completely destroyed any mystique that Aleister Black could have once had? Is there any chance it I turns out I kind of need okay? to see him come to the ring to, to answer that question. But um, could, do you really feel like him coming to the ring after all this stuff that he's been doing is going to feel as creepy and like it, now you know that he's this whiny guy sitting in a room begging to be fought with is it going to be as intimidating to have him come out in that very serious quiet way that he does is it, it used to have an incredible mystique to it because he was a, a quiet guy who didn't say anything he just came out and murdered people now he's done nothing but talk for a month and the things he's been saying are dumb it's stupid dumb I, I, I mean, intelligently. I, I don't want to call back to it again, but we've been harping on it big time that when this guy comes out, he could be as big as the Undertaker. He could be this generation's mysterious, you know, appar- you know, thing. His warlock could have been right. Could have been. been. I think that's gone. Uh, I think adding the creaking noises to his, you know, ramp chair didn't help. Remember that time that the Undertaker came out of the rafters, like with his cape, like looking like Batman, and they kind of lowered him to the ring. Imagine if they did that for a month and a half straight. That's what they're doing to Aleister Black right here. Yep. That was They were like, Ooh, we're never doing that again. Totally killed his mystique. Well, they've just been doing that over and over to Aleister Black here. And, and oh, God, make it stop. Yeah, it, need, uh, it needs to end. I, I, it honestly, I, at this point, I don't give a shit who knocked on his door. Someone else who shouldn't be allowed to cut promos, Bobby Lashley was in the hospital, quote-unquote, and he Ugh. cut a promo on Braun saying Braun deserves to be all beat up like he is. They're both pretty beat up after the explosions on Monday night, but that next time Bobby sees him, this is the best part of this promo, he's not going to – I, I, I want to make sure I get this right, Nick. I want to make sure that I, I quote him correctly. He is not only going to – next time I see this son of a bitch, I'm not going to send him to the hospital. I'm going to send him – to the morgue. Uh, edgy? Yeah. Edgy. Edgy? Fox edgy? wants edgy, so I'll give you edgy. We're going to reference the morgue. Hey, <laughs> We're going to reference note, dead note, stuff and killing people. Note, they didn't say a medical facility. They said hospital. Is this a... I mean, are we now breaking out of some of this Vince speak that we've been stuck in? We're allowed to say morgue? We're allowed to, to threaten someone's life? We're allowed to say freaking hospital? Instead of local mes- medical facility, right? I did, like, also, is, that a, is that at least one good thing to come out of this? Can I can I do a? Uh, this is all silly, but the quick aside. Do you see how jacked those EMTs were on Monday Night Raw that, that came out? Oh uh, yes, because well, they had the, to lift up local... four hundred pounds of of men, right? <laughs> in 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 roller stretchers, and they had hydraulic lifts and shit in the. I don't know anyone. I just thought it was funny to see just giant jacked EMTs. Like normally they're just little skinny dudes or girls that are just running around. Yes. Sometimes strung out on the third the graveyard they're, shifts that they have to Braun work. Strowman, and, Braun Strowman being taken to a local medical facility by some local talent. I'm, I'm sorry, we mean EMTs. Right. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, but yeah. like, like you said, maybe they did find local EMTs. They just had to find the most jacked ones possible because as you said, Neither man is is a small man. That is some huge hunks of meat that you've got to pick up right there. That's a that is a full steer and a half. <laughs> uh, finally, another weird promo. Shelton Benjamin. Benjamin. Shelton 
Benjamin is back on our TV, Nick. Only this time they asked him, hey, Shelton, who do you think is going to win the WWE Championship? He didn't say anything. He just looked around like he was trying to think for like 30 seconds and then smiled and walked out of frame. What the hell was this, Nick? Do you think that Shelton somehow, he figures in it all to this match? Or what What was this? What match? The WWE title the match. WWE, Samoa Joe no. <laughs> they, that's what they asked him about. I'm trying, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. I'm thinking harder than Shelton Benjamin was in this segment, trying to figure out what exactly this was. People have already put up like, making fun of the Zach Galifianakis meme from the hangover with all of like the, the mathematical symbols swirling right. around his head. They've already put up memes of Shelton thinking with the mathematical symbols swirling around. It's just too perfect. It's too perfect. That's what this felt like. It was like, what are you even, why are you thinking this long, Shelton? Why is it taking you as long to think about this? What was the point of asking him about that title match and then having him look like he figured something out at the end of this? That's what I'm saying. Like, where is this going? Maybe, was maybe this his, just, his inner Scott Steiner kicked in and he started doing Steiner math for breaking down how his chances to win. <laughs> yeah, and that spells disaster for Kofi. Extreme rules. Yes. Uh, finally, before we get out of here, Nick, a uh, little thing I've got to do okay. before we get out of here. Uh, Shane Shoe Watch. Again, neither you oh. nor I are, are kicks men, but thanks to listener Gerardo Garcia, we do have a Shane Shoe Watch going right now for fans of... The kicks. Uh, on Raw, he was wearing the Air Jordan 1 Retro Highs uh, Shadow from 2009. That's a smart-looking shoe. Yep. I know nothing about shoes, and that's a, I would wear that shoe. That's a good-looking sneaker. And then on Tuesday, he had the Air Jordan 1 Retro High OGs on again. This is the Hyper Royal Blue. Um, the kind of blue that only Batista could really get into, I think. They were a little too blue for me. But uh, again, thanks to Gerardo Garcia for pointing those out. Kind of a nice little addition to the show. You and I doing the 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 Roman shirt watch because of our love of metal. The metal. Uh, the metal. Nick, we have a crap ton more to talk about. Let's not waste any more time and let's get over and talk about the wide world of wrestling. Well, guys, we had a really banging episode of NXT this week, I thought, myself. Uh, great opening match, but we got a lot to go through here, so I want to go through these really quickly, just hit by hit. Mia Yim had a match against Aaliyah with Vanessa Bourne at ringside. Uh, this is why I've been really high on Mia Yim for a long time. Uh, yeah, she looked a- fantastic. It was a little slow, it was a little prodding, and I don't know how much of that was Aaliyah, uh, the greenness of Aaliyah, uh, but yeah, it... You get Mia Yim in a match with Shayna Baszler, that's gonna the, that's gonna be impressive. I'm really so you think that they're that. they're doing a good job of making Mia Yim look strong enough. Yes, be, and the, they the called it on commentary. Is. She's the only one to have ever beaten Bianca Belair, and she beat her a second time the following week. Bam! That's all mm. I need to know right there. And then I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit. We had Bianca Belair come out and absolutely murder. Some person, I don't even know. Bianca is pissed. She's on a war path, and she's got yeah. somebody. She's got somebody's get to get. Because yes, uh, I've never seen that side of Bianca Belair come out and just absolutely destroy somebody. Yeah, like well, she did. She was doing squash matches at the beginning when she first started coming out, but she doesn't have the confidence or ring presence that she has now. And this match with Zuniga, uh, I think that was her name was much more of Bianca feels like a superstar and just dominated this poor little girl. 
I have to say, I think it was a bad call to put both the Mia Yim match and the Bianca Belair match on the same show because Bianca looked way more impressive and way more dangerous than Mia Yim. Mia looked great yep. until you saw that Bianca Belair match and you just went, oh, damn, who is that? Like, if, you did, if you'd never watch NXT, that would be your response is, why isn't that chick going for the title? Yeah. Well, she just did, and she lost both times. So we also had a couple, and we had another squash match. We had Kushida showing up against Jeff Parker and showcase the fact that he can wrestle again. Right. Um, do you think that Kushida, like, where is he going to end up? Who's, who's the next feud for Kushida? Or the first real major feud, I guess. Matt Riddle. <clears throat> you think it's Matt Riddle? Oh, God, I hope so. I don't I, think so. You don't think so? Okay. No, I don't think two, face two versus faces, face. Face uh, two, faces, two faces. Matt Riddle needs to have, I think, a defining feud against a monster heel. And I think that Kushida needs to have a defining feud against someone who can go toe-to-toe with him. Um, like a Roderick Strong. Like, yeah, like that was going to be my second work, choice. Someone who can work his speed. I, uh, I just or, think Roddy's going to be in the North American picture soon, and I, I don't think he's going to be. Maybe Kushida finds his way into a back door into that match. We get into some kind of triple threat with Dream. That could be fun. You know? I mean, I you know me. I, I, I loved the rivalry between Kushida and Kyle O'Reilly in Japan, um, but I just know Kyle's still beat up from the ladder match, so that's why I didn't call him out. That's, that's the one I would like the most is Kushida, Kyle O'Reilly. Like, mm. please give me that. But I'm oh, pretty Lord. sure also Kyle will be involved in the tag team picture at some point going right. forward. We also had a breakout showcase uh, tournament match number two. Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Cameron Grimes for formerly Trevor Lee. And of course, Scott formerly kill shot from Lucha Underground. Uh, what did you think about this match, sir? I liked it a lot. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah. I, I think we've seen these two on their own in different promotions and wherever they come from. Little fun fact I had no idea Trevor Lee was from 20 minutes up the road. Yeah, he's from right close to you, Burlington, by the North Hardys Carolina. From birth. From hey, birth, he's known the I'm gonna, one of the, We're going to have to stop calling him Killshot and Trevor Lee. We're going to have to start figure out their <laughs> Swerve and Cameron Grimes. Okay. Yep. First of all, uh, I had a lot of high hopes coming to this match, and they effing delivered. And this <laughs> match was a lot of fun. It's exactly what I thought it would be. Fast-paced, some grappling, a lot of good stuff, uh, reversals. A lot of, lot of uh, what, what, how, would you, how would you put it, Nick? Uh, innovative offense. Yeah. Innovative offense. Something that we're, we're used to seeing. I mean, having, having watched Lucha Underground religiously, obviously Killshot had a ton of that. Worked very well with the Lucha guys. Uh, loved seeing... I've seen a bunch of Trevor Lee as well because of you know just his years in PWG. Seen him a bunch of times here in LA. Um, I have... His, his uh, chemistry here with Swerve Scott was outstanding. Yeah. Between the kind of the slow grinding beginning of this match and then just the all-out banger stuff at the end, I thought they were great to have paired together. Now, but here's the question: Grimes picked up the win. Mm -hmm. Do you feel it's too early for Swerve Scott to go out? No, 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 no. I, I wouldn't have paired them in the first round of the tournament. Uh, let me let me say that because uh, they showed the way that the brackets lined up uh, after this, and they showed that um, whoever it was last week and now Cameron Grimes have moved forward. I was I was sitting there looking at it, they're going oh I would not have, I would have made this like a semifinal match or something like that mm. because having these two go at it because it felt like one of those higher end matches that you see on a takeover or something like that but it's typically got a story built to it but in a tournament format you can get away with giving those kinds of matches away 
just don't do it in the first round. I remember you I think, think we had Tessa Blanchard and Tony Storm face each other in the first round of the first May Young Classic, and I went, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what I'm getting at there. I don't think it's too early for him to go out. I think it's just a tournament. It's, it's, it's an elimination tournament. That's fine. But he's going to find his footing very quickly. The sky is the, – the, it's going to be very bright for these two in NXT for some time. Yeah, and I, and I pointed out in uh, the discussion group online, um, listeners Justin Zacharias also felt like Strickland went out too soon. And one of the things I responded to him was that Mustafa Ali went out in the first round of the Cruiserweight Classic and uh, Heavy Machinery went out in the, in the first round of the 2016 Dusty Classic. This is not an indication of them feeling like he's left. The, the sky is the limit. He's just fine. The fact that he was picked at all for this tournament, I think, speaks volumes. So I would not worry right. about him. I would not worry about him at all. Um, one more big match on this show, and that was Roderick Strong, the aforementioned Roderick Strong, versus Tyler Breeze. Was this a return to form for Mr. Breeze now that he's back in NXT on the regular? I believe so. Definitely. Because uh, yeah, was... Roderick, is a, is a, he's a cardio animal. Do you oh, feel yeah. like Breeze held up his end here? Oh, both of them did. Good Lord. That, that... Is Roderick the most consistent TV worker in NXT? How many classic matches has he had on TV? Just tons. Just an, an, an uncountable number of matches. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Ridiculous. Another, another great match. My only beef with this, and I know this was taped earlier, so obviously there's nothing they could have done about this, but at the end of the match, it was disrupted by Undisputed Era, distraction, Roderick Strong picks up the win. Was this an unfortunate week for that to happen, considering that we had that match ending, what, two or three times on Raw and SmackDown? Yeah, um, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of that same finish this week, and it was kind of too bad. There was. Um, look, I I thought this match overperformed from what I expected to going in. I thought Tyler Breeze. This was a nice reminder of of him uh, remembering who he is and what he's capable of. We we did Fashion Police for a while there, and we kind of wrote him off. He's been doing up, up, down, down, and we've kind of written him off. Having him come back and have this match with someone like Roderick Strong reminded me wholesale who Tyler Breeze is and what he was capable of, but it also showcased just how good the current roster is. So to have Roderick Strong, Adam Cole, Gargano, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby, all of those guys, Matt Riddle, Velveteen Dream, everybody that's at the top right now. Is it as good as it's ever been? I believe so. That's well, not a I'll knock at Tyler way. Breeze, but it was good to see him come in and still be able to hang six, eight years later with the uh, with the same guys, we always complain about NXT call-ups being just happening too often for the main roster. But look how stacked the roster still is down at NXT. Yeah, Cra- crazy. Un- how un- much talent it's they insane. Have. And you got if if you've got the new crop coming in, like Swerve, like uh, Trevor Lee, sorry Cameron Grimes, uh, you've got all of these other folks that are coming up through this tournament. The future is bright. The future is Extremely. very very bright for all of these guys. Speaking of the future, next week we know that we're going to have Street Profits versus Birch and Lorkin uh, because that was announced by William Regal after getting threatened by the Forgotten Sons in his own office. They were so spooky. You know, they even threw things on the floor. And Jackson Riker got up in his face and said, you're going to regret taking us out of the title picture and putting us at the back of the line. Uh, where do you think this is going, man? You're, you're a Forgotten Sons boy. What do you, you think is going to happen with them? Are they going to get involved in this match next week? Are they going to get in Regal's face again what's happening with them i want to say i don't want to read into it too much but the fact that the street profits were on the main roster this week is kind of a telltale sign for me 
Uh, I think somehow this turns into a triple threat or somehow they, I don't want to say they put the titles on Birch and Lorcan, but maybe they do just as a transition. But it feels very, eh. Like, do we want to see the Street Profits lose the belts? Not really. Like, not really. Just not yet. Two oh, weeks yeah. ago. The first or second defense? No. That'd be weird. Uh, we also had Adam Cole with his, uh, with his new championship tour. Nick, my God, this was, this was God-tier heel work right yeah, here. Not only did he go and visit Johnny Gargano's actual parents' actual pizza parlor and pick up some pizzas and stick his poster on the wall, stick his uh, headshot up on the wall and signed it. Now you have a real champ on your wall, or now you know what a real champ looks like. Uh, he then took those pizzas to the very school, the wrestling school that Johnny Gargano went to before TakeOver and told all the wrestlers there they were never going to amount to anything and that Johnny Gargano was mean for giving them a false sense of hope and left. They were just like, you guys are all losers. Holy crap, this was evil. This was the evilest of the evil. These, this, was, this was insanely nasty promo work here. Um, my, Give up. I, I don't really, Go home. Eat pizzas I, on your couch because you're never going to win this title. <laughs> I was so good. I don't even have a question for you. I don't even have like I just all I wanted to say was this was just amazing. Oh, this was that, absolutely spectacular heel work. It's it's worth asking where's Gargano, and and I like He's that in, they referenced Gargano and they showed the video package of him coming in and letting Twan hold the the belt on him only for Adam Cole to lead into Twan him going Twan you're never gonna get the title never, just just give you up you think just, you're gonna be the title yeah yeah dude you're never gonna get the title yeah, perfect <laughs> it's, oh my absolutely God. perfect. We do know that Johnny Gargano is actually legit injured and he's rehabbing right now. He'll be back. It's fine. But that that's why they're doing this. But my God, Adam Cole is insufferable. It's it's unbelievable. The only problem I had with this was the was the filming technique where they just they could not focus on anything. Whoever was pulling the focus obviously also works in the main roster as, as the camera holder, the steady the guy who steadies the camera, because it was just terrible. One final thing, a promo for the return of Killian Dane. Killian Dane is coming Slimmed back. Slimmed up Killian Dane, it appears, as well. Well, even Slim, that guy, is still terrifying. The oh, only sure. question is, did he shave? The only question I have for you, sir. I don't I know. I guess we will I find out. I don't know if tall enough to get to his back, but I don't, we'll see. Uh, I, I guess we will find out in a couple of weeks when he comes back if he's still a giant Scottish hairball. Yes. Moving on over to 205 Live. A couple of quick things. We had a tag match. Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado defeated the Singh Brothers. I'm starting to worry that Lucha House Party is still kind of like just a hype act. They're there to get the crowd going. That's all they're kind of being used for on 205 Live, even though this was a really fun match. I don't know. Kind of worrying about, I don't know. I, I probably should have been worried about Lucha House Party years ago when they first started coming out with the, with the, the noisemakers and the pinatas, but here we are. Uh, and the Mike Singh brothers Canales. are nothing more than Bollywood young buck wannabes. So I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure what's going on. Even though it, this was a fun match, though, and they're good at what was, they do. I'm not mad at Bollywood young bucks. I'm not mad at that. I can get behind that. Um, Mike Canellis. We mentioned that the Mike Canellis saga continued on 205 Live. Maria was nowhere to be found. Apparently, still mad at him. Um, but he said he's going to prove that he is indeed a man, and he's going to start by, uh, by winning. That that in this particular show in the six man tag match it was not how things went down though. In fact, he actually ate the pin from Tony Nice, and then everything went crazy. We had a, a six man tag match: Lorkin, Oni Lorkin, Tony Nice, Jack uh, uh, Jack Gallagher versus Ari Davari, Drew Gulak, and Mike Kanellis. As we said, Kanellis ate the pin, 
And then a huge brawl broke out. Lorcan and Davari trying to kill each other. Everyone else bitten. This was fun. They need more of this kind of exciting stuff on 205 Live. And they what kept you, it going. You, you they, I mean? they, they threw up the trademark, then they let it keep going, and it just, oh, oh yeah. yeah, let it break down. Just go, keep going. Good. No, this is on demand. It, we don't, nobody watches this live, right? It, just let it go. Yeah. If, if this is something, this is going to give the live crowds something to stick around for. It shakes up the format of the show. Um, you know, I like the fact that Drake Maverick is losing control a little bit of this because he's so distracted by the 24-7 championship. I wish it's they would have called that out on the show. And I know yeah. Mike referenced it being upset at Drake Maverick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wish they would have called that on commentary. This is what happens when the general manager goes on his honeymoon it's and so is busy. more concerned with the 24-7 title than running this show. Make yeah. that a thing, right? Let's, let's have everything break down while the cat's away, right? Yeah, agreed. Uh, but we'll see what happens to 205 Live moving forward. Good stuff this week. Nick, we have not a lot of time and still a lot to get to because this week we also had AEW's Fighter Fest show that was free on Bleacher Report Live. We actually had a nice little discussion group going on while that was – or like a live chat going on while that was going. It was a lot of fun. But let's run down that show for people who didn't get a chance to see it and give our thoughts. First of all, we had the pre-show or the buy-in, which was three matches, starting off with the Best Friends versus Private Party – Versus SoCal Uncensored. The winner gets a first-round bye on the tag team tournament. It's coming up at, at uh, All Out for the, for the inaugural tag team championships. Was this the best match of the pre-show, in your opinion, of the, of the three? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of enjoyed one of the other ones. But definitely, from te- technically, yes, this was absolutely the best of the three. Um, look, SoCal Uncensored is a blast. Um, private party debuting, and then, from what I understand, getting actual contracts as they walk back through. Uh, they get hugs and handshakes to as they get offered official contracts by Nick and Matt as they walk back through the curtain yeah. after this literally, match. Literally walked out of this match and got and got told, we want you to sign with AEW the second they were done. They were definitely, the I think, the standouts in this match. People who didn't know who they were, they know who they are now. Even though the best friends did pick up the win, I think that was the right decision to make to have them pick up the win here. Yeah, de- private party definitely showed out here. This was this was their moment. We also had then then we went the complete opposite direction, and we had uh, Ali versus Librarian Leva Bates, and you've got so you got the two librarians out there. I've heard a rumor that the librarian gimmick is it was basically like a goof, and they were saying, "How do we make the worst gimmick ever?" And so far, having seen the librarian gimmick for a few weeks now, I'd have to say they're if they're not they're not on some of like WWE early nineties level, but damn it's close. This is terrible. It's bad. It's terrible. And then the match was bad too. Then the match was poorly worked and just awful. This was just awful all around. And if you're trying to sell a show by giving away a free program, this is the worst way to do it. Yeah. By having just an obnoxious I, I don't I don't get the librarian gimmick. I don't, I don't get what you're trying to do with it with all the shh shh shh. You know, there's actually, and I'm also so, willing to admit maybe it's over my head and it's super meta and I just don't get it. You know, but you know, please tell me that and explain it to me because I, I want to understand on it. Something you're hitting on something that I think is going to be a theme for me talking about AEW going forward, okay. and that is something that I'm starting to worry about with them and and just the company as a whole and just trying the to be too clever and too smart. Exactly, too much irony, too many in jokes, too much being clever, and not enough like actually trying to be engaging. Um, they're, they're trying to create in-jokes or doing things for their own amusement, and it's going to create stuff that's off-putting. 
It's almost like the, the diametric opposite of Vince McMahon. So far around, it's also becoming the, almost becoming the same thing. Vince only does what he wants, what he likes. But if you do the same thing, trying to amuse yourself as opposed to actually... Yeah, Vince, I think, seriously thinks that some of these things are going to get over. He seriously thinks it's, quote, good shit. As opposed to these, like this kind of stuff where, ha ha ha, get it, the librarian? It's like the worst thing ever. And we're just going to keep doing it. It's like, it's like almost like a... Um, uh, it's a little Andy Kaufman-ish. Yeah. But not, not in a good way. You know? Uh, no, it's not good at all. And to, to bookend it, in between SoCal Uncensored, Private Party, and The Best Friends, and then the Michael Nakazawa and Alex Jabaley from CEO match just was completely out of place. Yeah, I, I think that the, the back-to-back of this match and then the Jabaley-Nakazawa match definitely was not a good look for the pre-show, especially if you're trying to sell a pay-per-view. Yeah. Not that you're trying to, it's free, so you're not trying to sell it, but you're trying to get people to watch it. Like, if you, you know want to I mean? open with the Jabaley and the Nakazawa comedy bit, have something else in the middle of it, and then I want to go into the main show off the back of a legit wrestling match like what we had with the Best Friends, Private Party, and SoCal Uncensored. That's, I, I don't, it, it just the way that they ordered this was way out of place, and this is not how you open a show. I would have flipped the women's matches as much as I think the other match deserved to be on the main show. I still would have put it on the pre-show because it was a much stronger match. Yeah. Uh, by the way, while we're talking about, the, I know we don't have a lot of time, but it's a quick aside. There's already someone doing a librarian gimmick. By the way, um, there's a there's a a lady in in Texas named Paige Turner. Hmm. Get it, Paige. Turner womp, womp. and her, her, her finisher is the Dewey decimator. <laughs> That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, also she comes out to the reading rainbow theme. So anyway, yeah, so they're already doing the librarian theme somewhere else. They're doing it better. I'm not sure what's going on here. As we said, we did have the Nakazawa and Jabaley match. It was quote unquote, a hardcore match, but of course that was all a joke. Uh, they use video game controllers instead of thumbtacks and they got into the pool, the little, uh, inflatable pool that was there. It was all very silly. It was all very fun, but my God, Jabaley is an amateur. Like he's obviously had some wrestling training. The absolute worst forearms I've ever seen, ever in my life. My grandmother throws better forearms than he does, and she's dead. Um, so I didn't. I didn't. I don't know. It was fun. I don't think it should should have gone here. It's the kind of match that I could get behind and enjoy. It was in. A, it was the wrong place to put it. Um, do you think it was just nepotism because Jabaley's association? With this whole program, they're having Fighter Fest at the video game conference. Was that all it yeah. was? Just nepotism? Yeah, it was probably a, a you know let them have it there, be associated with it, and hey, I know let's have uh, Michael Jabaley's always wanted to have a match. Well, well, let's put him with Nakazawa. You know, and they can come out and they yeah. can squirt baby oil all over each other and throw video game controllers at each other. Not to mention the, the one of the top gamers in the world was sitting ringside and handed him that that controller. You know, this was all a pl- absolutely an advertisement for for CEO gaming, and it's it's fine. It's you know, and there was a there was a lot of fan service. There was a lot of yeah. playing to the video game industry. So in that sense, great. But they're also trying to get people to watch this around the world uh, who may not be gamers or may not know who Jabali is or may not know who the number one gamer in the world is. So I understand what, by going for that market. I just wonder if they were going too hard into that market at the wrong time on the show. Maybe. Maybe. All I'm saying. Yeah. Moving on to the main show, we opened with Chima versus Christopher Daniels, which was a nice little match, but nothing. It was just a bit of fluff. Yeah. Uh, well worked, but really just, I feel like they didn't have enough story for it. So it was a little underwhelming. Shima uh, picking up the win here. Then we had the, and another and You just hit match. on something real quick. That's going to be a running theme until we get a few uh, pretty invested into TV. 
You know, there, there's just going to be matches. And everybody's like, yeah. oh, God, I don't understand why these guys. You're not going to. You're not meant to. These are exhibition matches that are starting to tell the beginnings of stories. It's the prologue of a book, right? So True, but they can't ex- they, uh, they've done what they can with the YouTube channel. But they, they don't have storylines yet, so don't, no. I don't think it's fair criticism uh, sometimes to say things like that. Well, but also, uh, you know, they have done a good job with some matches of giving them stakes. You know, if you win this match, you get put into this, or sure. if, you, if you lose, you, you know, this happens. Wins and losses matter, that kind of thing. And there didn't seem any kind of urgency towards that in this match. It just seemed like two buddies having a wrestling match. It was just a feeling. Uh, we then had the women's match, women's triple threat, Riho and Nyla Rose and Yuka Sakazaki. Riho picking up the win after Nyla basically just ran over everybody, and then we had some nice Joshi-style wrestling between Riho and Yuka. Um, was this a match that you felt overperformed when you actually saw it, or did, did, this, did this give you exactly what you thought you were going to get? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, I, I, frankly, I, it, it was okay. Do you think uh, it, I, I think it would have been better on the matches. pre-show. Yeah, I think switching the two and then just having the garbage women's match on the pre-show, yeah. just to, you know, my... I don't wouldn't have put that match anywhere, but I think this would have been a better sell for the show. Yeah, yeah get that library shit time, out of there, and you know, sorry, Allie, but this would have been better on the pre-show, and it would have cleaned up the card a little bit too. Yeah. That being said, I mean, Nyla Rose looked like a million bucks here, uh, and both Riho and Yuka are great workers, so I really enjoyed this match a lot. I also enjoyed the uh, four-way Hangman Page versus Jungle Boy, MJF, and Jimmy Havoc. This was a little bit of fun. Um, Havoc did eat the pin from Hangman Page. He picked up the win here. The winner of this was uh, is going to have a Mao darn. I lost my notes here, but um, so here's the question I have though: Is was Jimmy Havoc looking underpowered here? I thought like, but, he had a few moments, and he was actually kind of my underhanded pick to to pull this off. I think I was one of the only ones that voted for him in the poll that we had in the live chat. Um, I think everybody was picking uh, Hangman Page here. Or Jungle Boy, or MJF, but nobody. Well, I think I was the only one that picked. I thought Jimmy Havoc would kind of be a brilliant one, but then they just they didn't really put him over in the match too much. He only had a couple of rallies of offense, and it was he was kind of hidden for most of the match, frankly. So I don't know. I, I think this might spin off, you know, into you know a Jungle Boy versus Jimmy Havoc thing. Who knows where this could go? But definitely, your stars of this match were Hangman Page and MJF. And Jungle Boy was doing some fun stuff, crazy flippy stuff, jumping onto Luchasaurus. That was fun. I, I really had fun watching this match, but it's obvious who they've got their eye on, for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the question I was going to ask next. Is Do you feel like Hangman Page already feels like the Roman Reigns of AEW? Yeah, a little bit. It's kind of getting there. Like, he's kind of a made man already. Yeah. Winning yeah, the, a little winning bit. Like, just super, super pushes... Not really a whole lot of character other than, you know, overcoming odds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just kind of get that feeling. At any rate, he's going on to face uh, Kip Sabian at Fight for the Fallen and then Chris Jericho for the inaugural title at All Out. Uh, Next up, we had Cody and Darby Allin going in their match. Uh, This ended up in the very first time limit draw for AEW after 20 minutes. Was this match too slow in plotting because they had to get through 20 minutes, or was this exciting to you at all? The, the match was exciting to me. Absolutely it was. Um, I, I'm more upset about the way it finished uh, Why? and the oh, way so- it completely wrote off everything that we just spent 20 minutes watching Darby Allen 
do. I guess that's the, that's the question I was going to have next. I felt the finish was a little underwhelming with the weird, there was a weird bit with a, a body bag and he gave him a disaster kick in the body bag and then pulled him out immediately out of the body bag afterwards to get the pin, but it didn't happen. Then we go to the time limit draw and then immediately after this match, out comes Sean Spears to congratulate Cody, but he gets him a, gives him an unprotected chair shot to the head, which splits open the back of his skull because it wraps around his head. Uh, and we just forget that Darby Allen exists. Right. But I, So you think that that was too quick to get away from the Darby Allen thing. My argument uh, back from that was we didn't have a lot of time to think about the match we'd just seen on this night, but going forward, they'll absolutely be able to call back to this in terms of storyline, and Darby Allen, Cody couldn't beat him. Yeah. Like, that's going to get called back. Yeah, we may have taken a little bit of the thunder away from it here, but it wasn't like it was a big victory for Darby Allen. Or he Cody, survived. for that matter. Or Cody. Yeah. We were able to sit there. And because the thing is, also they think about it this way. That crowd was starting to turn on them. They were already starting to chant, restart the match, restart the match. How can you walk away from that or somehow put Darby over and lead the crowd? That's going to be an unsatisfied crowd at that point. They're going to be frustrated that you didn't restart the match. So they had to have something big come along and put a short, start, sharp stop to this whole proceedings. And that was what happened. Yeah. Um, so... That's that's my take on that. My, we didn't, we didn't show Darby getting out of the ring. We didn't show one replay of it. We didn't do any kind of highlights. Anything. It was all about Sean Spears and Cody well, from that point forward. And that's where I that's where I have my one little thing. But I agree with you. It, it, but get how do you show Darby Allen after having this gruesome scene of Cody having a flap of skin hanging off the back of his head? Ultimately, took ten staples to put him back together. Uh, it was a you know legit injury that wasn't supposed to happen. Afterwards, the Young Bucks said that the chair was gimmicked to try and protect him. He did not have a concussion, but that it was unfortunate because there was a bit of a botch where the, the backrest of the chair did wrap around his head and cut him open. So do you think, two things here, do you think that it's unwise in 2019 to even attempt an unprotected chair shot to the head? No. Or do you like how they, do you like how they sold it with this? Because there was a whole lot of kerfuffle after this. The media got all up on AEW. How dare you have an unprotected chair shot to the head after everything we know about CTE, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the other question I have is, should the Young Bucks have walked it back afterwards and broken kayfabe, or was the whole point of this to have it be something that was scary and vicious, and something that would actually shock people in 2019? I, I think it was meant to be a shock thing. I don't think they meant to cut Cody's head open so much that it left a giant red stain on the mat for the rest of the night. Uh, agreed. So uh, Agreed, but did that help it? Did, listen, that help it was a ch did you see that double or nothing match with, with uh, Goldust? With, uh, sorry, excuse me, Dustin Rhodes? <laughs> I mean, I, may, maybe I did. I was there. Blood? I was only there live. It's right. not the blood that's the issue. It was the fact that people got up in arms about Ugh. concussions, okay. about him getting hit in the head with a, with a chair. Me personally, I was all for it. I was like, yes. I'm pretty, I mean, especially when they were like, you know, first of all, Cody's a professional. He knows what he's doing, and if he, if that's what he wants to do, let him freaking do it with his own body. Two, obviously, steps were taken. Is you know, I think that the, I don't think the young buck should have come out and said straight up. It was a gimmick chair. Um, I think that that ruins kayfabe and it ruins the heat for the angle. Sure. But I think that you need to, you need to have something prepared. If you're going to do these kinds of things, uh, you need to know that you're going to have people come for you if you do an unprotected chair shot in 2019. No. You have to know people or people are going to come for you and ask why you did that. No, absolutely. And, and I think they should not have broken kayfabe. I agree. I think I they agree. should have said, nope, Sean Spears is pissed. He's an animal. Set him up. Exactly. Done. He's he's such an evil guy. I mean, the problem is, is that now we're so past believing in kayfabe that we know that this was a planned thing, 
And so now people look at the company and say, how could the company allow this? They're a fledgling company. They're vulnerable still. Sure. So I understand why they want to walk it back, but it really does undercut the Sean Spears thing when they do that. The Sean Spears feud and, and, and his heat, frankly. Um, yeah. Fantastic I, match I, by Cody and Darby Allen. I just want to say that. Well, it definitely put Darby Allen, Darby Allen on the, a lot of people's maps who didn't know him. Yeah. Because uh, he had a bunch of great stuff in this match. I think it was a little bit slow just because of the time limit, but uh, at the same time, Darby did come away looking fantastic in this yeah, match. Yeah, he did. So good for that. Yep. Uh, we also had Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, a.k.a. Uh, Ken Ryu and Akuma, because that was what they were cosplaying, which was awesome. Awesome. Uh, versus Laredo Kid and the Lucha Brothers. Do you think those cosplay elements or like that kind of fun playing to the crowd aspect will continue in AEW once it's, the promotion gets underway, or is that strictly just for this show? At some point, I want to see Kenny Omega be the Okada-beating badass that he was again. Um, but should he still come out in like Overwatch outfits? Because that was what he was doing at that time, too. Sure. If you want it to be your entrance gear, sure. Um, I, I wasn't terribly mad at this at a certain point. Again, I just put my hands up and went along for the ride because you put these six guys in the ring and you're going to have a blast. So you can't knock what you saw. It's just uh, how my wrestling are you going to be seeing this kind of stuff. Sure. And, and that's going to be subjective for each individual. I, I was kind of going, oh, God, I, I, I would love to see a Kenny Omega Pentagon program, like legit. Well, I, we I, already I want, had the one. I, the I know one we match. had the match last year. I'm talking about like I, once we get to TV, like I want to see Kenny Omega and, and Pentagon Jr. have, oh yeah, like just well, let those guys things, go at it. There's two things standing in your way there, my friend. One of them is the fact that uh, the Lucha Brothers have not signed permanent; not, they have not signed contracts with AEW yet, at least not exclusive contracts. Um, and I don't think they're going to win a match until they do because they did lose here. But um, at the same time. Kenny Omega is going into a match or a feud rather with uh, John Moxley. That's going to be his first one. And I'm actually more excited about that than I would be about Omega and Pentagon. So at least at this point, but uh, that being said, this was a, as, this was a fun match as you would expect. Just a spot fest, not a whole lot of, I think deeper meaning beyond no. just let's do as many flips and kicks as we possibly can. And Hadouken and entertain- all the things the yeah, Hadoukens. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's just, it's immensely entertaining, but ultimately I think a bit forgettable. It was the only yeah. downside of this match was that it was, it was fast food. You know what I mean? I was at the time wildly entertained, but I'll be damned if I could tell you, you know, beyond like a couple of really cool spots in this match, anything beyond that. I remember that Kenny's ha- hair was red and he had a Japanese symbol, Akuma symbol remember, on his back, you know? Yeah. I remember, I remember the Hadouken and I remember the crazy, uh, rope spot to the outside of the ring that Matt Jackson pulled off. So that's, right. that's. And that's about it. And, and Ray Phoenix. Other, Holy shit, Ray Phoenix. Just and, uh, well, everywhere. Ray, Good Lord. Ray Phoenix forgetting that gravity exists and right. stealing Neville's old gimmick. Finally, we did mention John Moxley. Well, the show ended, only it didn't really end because then we had an unsanctioned match, quote unquote, after the show uh, between John Moxley and Joey Janela. Did you like the kind of the, the pageantry of having the quote unquote post show match? That was unsanctioned and like AW wanted nothing to do with it because we don't want to have liability. Like, do you like how they when sold? When we turn all the that? lights off, the show will be over. But when they come <laughs> back up, the AEW will no longer be. It. I yeah, I dug that. That was great. Yeah, I, I dug it. That's the sort of thing. It's the details. Yeah. It's the details. It's the details. Do that kind of stuff. It's silly, but damn it, it works. It works. I was, was entertained. Not, what was not silly was this match. 
uh, as you would expect, we had a lot of the tried and true tropes of the hardcore genre. We had ladders, we had tables, barbed wire, had barbed wire boards. There was so much barbed wire. Bar. And of course, at the end, we had thumbtacks. But not just thumb, not just any thumbtacks. But after after these guys going through tables, Joey Janela coming off of a at least a fifteen foot ladder to the outside onto Moxley on the tables, um, and going outside onto one of those barbed wire boards. Ow! Moxley got put onto a board. Ow! Holes in their backs, blood trickling from multiple open wounds, and then by God, Moxley gets the thumbtacks, a five gallon and, bucket of thumbtacks. And then takes off Joey Janela's shoes. Yeah, this was where things got uncomfortable. Dumps him bare feet first onto a pile of thumbtacks. Ow! Ow! <laughs> Ow! No! 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 Ow! No! That can't um, that can't what, be comfortable at all. Oh, it did not look fun. I mean, Jesus Christ! I I like I step on like a. a like a, a, a loose dog nail that I've cut off my dog's foot and it, like it hurts like a like I've been stabbed in the foot. I can't imagine like 15 thumbtacks going into my foot. Can you imagine? Ow. No. At any rate, um, so I've seen a bunch of death matches. As far as I was concerned, as far as like brutality and gore and everything, this was like a 3 out of 10 on the death, ma- death match scale. Yeah. Nothing too crazy. Do you think that's because this was like the inaugural death match for AEW and they didn't want to scare people off but they still wanted to like get a little hardcore? Or do you feel like this is about as hardcore as we're going to see in AEW? This is probably about as hardcore as we're going to see. This combined with the Cody chair shot, I, I don't expect it'll get much worse than this. Really? Frankly. Yeah. With, no. pe- with people like with people like Janela and Havoc and Allen and Moxley in this company, you feel like it's not going to get crazier than this? I don't. I mean, you might get some fire introduced at some point. We'll see. But yeah, I, I don't. If they're going to go on cable TV, I don't think it'll get much much more than this. If they're truly I mean, trying to push the envelope of being the alternative to PG era WWE, maybe. But if they're trying to put on a show that is the the lapsed Attitude Era fans, right, that would want to see, maybe. Maybe we do amp like, that up a little bit. I don't know if we're going to get the kind of brutality that we saw in Lucha Underground levels where it's just, you know, you've got Never. blood baths. Not on TV. Blood baths over there. But I think they're going to get more hardcore than this. I think we're probably going to see some like light tubes and fire, as you said. We saw a barbed wire wrapped chair in this match, but it was barely used. Yeah, I have a feeling this is they don't want to do it all at once. They don't want to give everything away right off the bat. Sure. This is wetting the appetite. I truly do feel like they've got a lot more in store for us. Uh, and that's why this did not go as crazy as it possibly could have. I mean, this is a show where we saw MGF tell the audience that their mother swallows. So oh, they're not afraid yeah. to get a little bit of PG. Like, you know, but that's uh, pay-per-views. Flipping the birds. Not TV, not TNT. No. You're right. right, and Tony Khan did say that there will never be a hardcore or a death match on TV proper. Okay. But that's fine because... We can do it at the pay-per-views. Pay-per- <laughs> pay-per-views should be where you do that kind of thing. Right. It should be building up to a big blow-off where these guys try to kill each other. That's that's how it should be. Uh, but the, after Moxley picked up the win here, as you would imagine, after after <laughs> murdering poor Joey Janela, um, we had a bit of a inversion of what we saw at Double or Nothing when Kenny Omega came out and proceeded to beat the absolute piss out of John Moxley, ended up giving him his own paradigm shift onto the ramp after throwing him through a drum set. Uh, I'm so ready for this Omega Moxley match. I'm, I can't wait. I like the fact that this is one of the big things that they're building. These guys are already trying to kill each other. Can't, can't wait. 
Do you like what they're doing with Moxley's character where he just likes to take damage? He's like he's laughing after getting beat up by Omega and afterwards yeah. he and Janela are, take, are drinking beers after they try to kill each other. Like, is that what you wanted to see out of the Moxley character or do you want him to be more like a stone cold psychopath? Both, please. I, I want both of those things. I, I think he can be both and I think he's shown that he can do both. Um, and I, I think that they need to steer the ship into that for him. Take damage, but then laugh at the person giving you the damage. That's hilarious and amazing and awesome. It's the kind of thing that we've been missing. We need somebody like that. Um, they've tried to do that with Roman a few times in WWE, and it just doesn't work with him. But with Dean, I buy it. I actually buy that that Moxley could be this character. So, yeah, more of that, please. I'm, I'm fine with all this. I, I like the, the Kenny thing. Hitting him with the drumsticks was a little silly. A little he, silly. Then he bashed him with the guitar, and that was legit. Like, I heard the thing smack him. And you can go watch the Being the Elites where they were showing the backstage footage, and it, they showed <laughs> it, and he straight up hit him. So yeah, I'm, and it was also, that was an electric guitar. It wasn't like a gimmicked Elias guitar. Right, no. Or, or yeah, you could, Jeff Jarrett You could guitar. see the weight of ow, it ow. and the heft of it in his hands as he was throwing it around. Ow, so, ow, ow. Yeah. Ow, ow. Ugh. Ow. But anyway, overall, uh, what did you think about this show as a whole? I was, it was, you know, it. I didn't enjoy it as I enjoyed it first and foremost. I I enjoyed it. There were a few hits and misses. Um, I didn't enjoy it as quite as much as Double or Nothing, but I'm wondering if that's the newness wearing off a little bit. Um, I enjoy the cleverness a little bit more maybe than than some others. I loved all the jabs at the uh, Fire Festival shenaniganry that went on with that whole thing. So at the end of the day, I I enjoyed it. I, I It's not going to be some, oh my God, you have to go see this, this, and this kind of reaction, but unfortunately. Well, yeah, it's it's not one of their major pay-per-views. It's more like a B pay-per-view. It's like their backlash. Sure. So I didn't expect to have it to be as, <laughs> as big as as, as uh, Double or Nothing or All Out. But it was fine. It was very entertaining. I thought it was uh, as good as, if not better than most WWE pay-per-views. So yeah, definitely was entertained from top to bottom. Uh, some quick AEW news before getting out of here. Fight for the Fallen's their next pay-per-view. It's coming up uh, in a couple weeks, July 13th. It will be also be free. They announced on Bleacher Report Live. And uh, the matches they currently have announced are... They just announced a bizarre six-man tag match. Uh, Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, and Joey Janela versus Sean Spears, uh, Sammy Guevara, and MJF. Weird. Um, they've also got the Young Bucks versus Cody and Dustin Rhodes, which they've been promoting for a while. Can't wait for that. Kenny Omega versus Shima. Odd. Brandy Rhodes versus Ali. Hangman Page versus Kip Sabian. That's all coming up, as we said, in a couple of weeks on July 13th. And one more thing before we get out of here. Would you believe it? Even though he utterly crapped on the pre-show, Jim Cornette had some good things to say about AEW here. And I, 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 I'm kind of over Jim Cornette after some of the stuff he said about uh, Sonny Kiss. But that being said, he did say Mark Quinn from Private Party could be the next big thing. He said MJF was better than he was at that age. He put over MJF big time. And he also said that Nyla Rose is impressive. He thinks that, that she's fantastic, which given the fact that uh, of his comments on Sunny Kids, it was nice to see him just say something nice about somebody. Yeah. So good stuff from Jim Cornette. Good stuff from AEW. Nick, I think it's that time. Yes, it's that time, guys, where we head over and we answer our patron listener questions. And if you guys want to get in on this, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for just that $5 tier uh, as the minimum to get in, but you can always do more if you want bonus episodes and things like that. Every single week for that small contribution every month, you can ask us questions and we will answer them live here on the show. 
Starting off with Jacob this week. Uh, Once upon a time, long ago, a genius said we were the authority. Reminds me of when we were kind of were. Taboo Tuesday would would a Taboo Tuesday would a pay per view like that work in a more modern era? Even if we know they may rig the results of the polls. Oh, I see what they're saying. Yes, yeah, I'm, I was a little confused there. Sorry. Yes. So, but what he so I think what he's trying to say here is, uh, would it work where they actually had the crowds vote for the matches they wanted to see? Oh, and. And I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I, I trust that enough. <laughs> I, <laughs> exactly. I, I want to see Roman Reigns and John Cena. Mm, of course you do. I don't know because again, you know, we have this this current rift between the so the hardcore community, the vocal minority, and the more like casual just want to sit back and enjoy the product um, people. So I don't know how that would work. These days, I know that that uh, it threw off New Japan a few years ago when, um, you know, that's actually still part of Naito's character is feeling frustrated that uh, his main event was voted to not be the main event by the fans. So, you know, giving like you want to give the audience a certain amount of power, but I don't know if you want to give them complete and utter control. Yeah, I think you need to listen to them, but you should still be the captain of your own ship. Um, so there is a, I think there is a strong balance to be made there and something occasional like a taboo Tuesday where like you do an experiment where the fans have some say is fun, but at the end of the day should just be an experiment should just be like a, a a very, very rare thing. If at all. Yeah. Um, I think that if you want to really want to, you know, get the, the feel of the fans, you can just listen to how a crowd reacts and that's, that's the only feedback you need. You don't need to do polls and stuff like that and, you know, have them book your show. Just listen to them and and frankly, and know what you're doing. Like just, you know, the the real geniuses in this business are the ones who know how to play the crowd just enough to get what they want of a reaction out of them when they turn the tables on the crowd, when they, when they finally, you know, give them what they want or don't give them what they want. They know exactly how much rope to give them before taking it back. So. I agree. Jacob, thank you very much for the question. Next up, Andy, why did Vince promote Heyman and bring in Bischoff as executive directors when Triple H is patiently waiting on the side? Surely this would have been the perfect time to give him a shot. A lot of people are asking. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to well, disagree a little bit. I think why? Triple H is intended to sit in the chair and call things. I don't think Triple H's job is to lead creative. I like the move to have creative minds like Bischoff, like Heyman, kind of oversee that, but Triple H needs to be there with the headset on driving the show, like kind of how right. Vince does. And I think there's a, there's a diff, they work, they overlap a little bit. They work together a, pretty much constantly, but I don't think they're one in the same. And I, that's where I would draw the distinction. I, I would agree, and I think that, that Triple H being so involved with NXT right now is what kept him from working on the main roster because he can't be there week in, week out, every Monday, every Tuesday right. at this point. Um, it does make more sense. And frankly, I like the fact they brought in Heyman and Bischoff because I, I would love to see those guys get a shot at trying to fix the modern product, even though I think you know it's looking backwards a little bit to have these guys come in on the product. But at the same time, I'm very curious to see what they do. Yeah. And Hunter's not going anywhere. No, he not. is the new blood. He's ultimately the new blood. So do I think this would have been the quote perfect time to give him a shot? No. No. His, the perfect time to give him a shot is when Vince is ready to step down entirely 
and let Hunter have the show, which we know is never going to happen. <laughs> well, until well, sorry, Andy. Maybe I didn't. I didn't say he was going to do it willingly. So right. Well, when it happens, fair point. When, when the board happens. decides. <laughs> when the board decides, or when when Vince just can't do it, he dies behind the the the, the wheel. Yep. Uh, in the chair. So. Awesome. Thanks for that question, Andy. Next up, Brian. Uh, we have a few moments of edginess in the product, mm. but we also saw Seth and Becky give a promo that really seemed awkward and forced. Oh boy, did we ever! With Heyman and Bischoff coming in, do you think we might see less scripted promos like that and more organic sounding promos from more of the talent where they're just given bullet points? I know we've all wanted this forever for them to get the bullet points uh, promos back. So I, 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 and that's one of those things I think we're going to ask every time there's like a big shift is, do we get the bullet point promos now? Huh? Please? Um, I, I, would, I don't think they're going to do it. I think they may get some more leeway. I think that Heyman is smart enough to know to give some people a bit of leeway. But look at what he did with Rhonda, where he let her help script her promos. But ultimately, she did have that problem with her promos where they sounded scripted. Even though they were her words and she, the intention behind them was there, she wasn't able to effectively communicate it because she was either speaking so quickly or the words were just so unnatural sounding. Um, so I don't know if Heyman's going to take the leash off of everybody. And frankly, I think that looking at the Seth and Becky promo here, I feel like they were actually allowed to have a little more freedom. And that's why we got the kind of mugging that we had in this promo. Um, the bigger issue I had was the Lacey Evans promo, which sounded completely scripted, but yet Lacey, I thought pulled it off fairly well because she seemed to have intention behind her words. So with Seth and Becky, I felt like them feeling like they had a little more leash they hung themselves with that leash i don't know if we're going to see them get the bullet points promos at this point in wwe or if we do if the people the performers are necessarily ready for it unless they do it in the right way that doesn't doesn't let them have moments like this week with seth and becky yep I agree so, with all that. I really have right. nothing else to add to that. You nailed it all. <laughs> Thank you very much, all Brian, right. for that question. That was fantastic. Uh, Dominic, next up. This is a theme this week, LOL. With Heyman, Heyman's new role with WWE, what do you think is going to happen to the whole Lesnar gimmick? I mean, if he still comes up as Brock manager, could you see him using any of his new powers, or is it going to be two separate roles like Drake Maverick with AOP? Well, mm. they haven't they haven't defined whether or not Heyman and Bischoff will be on-screen personalities in their new roles. This week we did see Paul Heyman for a brief moment. He was strictly there as the advocate for Brock Lesnar. He did his old, you know, the, the stick we've seen now for a few weeks. Is Brock here or isn't he? We don't know. Ooh. Um and online on Twitter, uh they actually did reference the fact that Paul had the new gig and Seth said he's not happy about it. And if Paul tries to pull any fast ones with his new power, that Seth was going to, to do something about it. Um, I think it would be an interesting take to have Paul pull strings in his new authority angle. But again, I think a lot of people are sick of authority, of the authority angles these days. Yep. So I don't think it would be a wise idea. No, I agree. Thank you very much, Dominic. Uh, next up, and finally, but not certainly not least, Esmeralda. Didn't really have a question but per se about the shows, but she's going to her first PWG show this weekend, Sir Ian Dangerous. Nice. And she wanted yes. to know if we could give her any tips or advice for attending a PWG show. I'm assuming it's at the Globe. 
Uh, Wait, are you aware weekend? of this show? Yeah. Uh, is it this weekend or maybe a, I, she well, didn't specifically be- say I, I read it into it as it being this weekend, but tips oh. and advice for going to a PWG show. Okay, so yeah, there's not a PWG show that I'm aware of until uh, July 26th, which is PWG 16, um, which is a pretty good match card. Uh, you've got Brody King versus David Starr, mm. uh, Rascals versus LAX, which is hell yeah. Actually, they're they're doing that match at Slammiversary too. Um, so having you basically are having an Impact match in PWG, which is kind of cool. Um, and then like Joey Janela versus Jungle Boy, Darby Allen versus MJF. There's a lot of like AEW matches going on in PWG on that weekend. So um, if that's the case, then she's going to have a very good show to enjoy. Uh, uh, you're going to have to get there early because it is open seating. Get there early, stand in line, suck it up. I'd say get there around uh, 3 or 4 o'clock, stand in that line, um, visit the bar, say hi to Marcel, yep. and enjoy the show. And bring money because all the everyone stands around the ring afterwards. You'll be able to meet most of these guys. I, I can't tell you off the top of my head who's gonna who's gonna be standing by the ring and who's not. But I you know I know there's gonna be a bunch of people that you're probably gonna want to meet. Probably guys selling merch like like Darby Allen be selling merch and Brody King. I know will be David Starr those guys. So um, between but right before the show and the middle of the show, you get a chance to go say hi to everybody. So and buy merch. So yeah, and, and then of course just have fun. Oh, and if you see wrestlers coming for you, move. Yes. Uh, and if you're, I don't think you'll be in the, if you are in the front row, awesome. Uh, <laughs> look out. Yeah. Because the front, the front couple of rows can get hairy. Yeah. You can get, you can get topes into the chairs. You can get people, wrestlers throwing each other into the seats. You can get beers thrown on you. It, yes. It's live. So it's not, very not li- saying it's you need to bring rain show. gear, but uh, yeah, try to, oh. uh, unless you paid for them, try to get, it, it is open seating as Ian just said, but Try and get into one of the upper balconies at the Globe. You can. You have, to, you have to buy. It's a buy. Oh, they've changed now. it and now. They. they I, I tried to get tickets to them. They sold out. They. They. They wow. didn't even have them for sale. They. They were sold out immediately. Um, Those first couple of shows, that was awesome. One more. Uh, one more hint. Don't pass out drunk at the shows. They will mess with you. They will mess with you. I've seen it happen. Yes. There was a guy passed out. Passed out drunk in the front row, and everyone messed with him. Oh yeah. But I he, think but, I still got videos of that somewhere. But he deserved it. Yep. Thank you very much, everybody, for your questions. If you'd like to get yours in every single week, head over to patreon.com slash BWO, and it's just that $5 tier one time per month. The price of buying Sir Ian Dangerous and I a beer one time Ooh. a month gets you the, the opportunity to come in and ask us questions that we answer right here on the show, patreon.com slash BWO. But Ian, we're not done. We've got, oh God, we're way over the day, but Jesus we're Christ, so, so much we're wrestling. We're so late. <laughs> we're going to still squeeze in our other news lightning round. Beep, 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 Oh, it's going to be so lightning today. David Starr shoot stomped on the WWE NXT UK belt at OTT WrestleRama. Uh, Walter knew he was going to stomp on the belt, but the man, but management did not know. NXT management did not do, and they are not happy about that. So don't look for David Starr to be in NXT anytime soon. And we don't know if there's any punishments going to be levied at Walter uh, for allowing it to happen. So not cool. Apparently, a lot of NXT guys are not happy with David Starr either if they feel he disrespected the belt. But then again, that was kind of the point. Uh, Jinder Mahal is injured. He ruptured his patella in a match against Ali on June 15th in Denver. He is out indefinitely, but... He did sign a new five-year deal, so good timing on that, Mr. Mahal. Probably going to be, I'm guessing, ruptured patella surgery, four to five months, probably on the long end 
for Jinder Hilly. Maybe if he's if he's really good rehab, three months. Uh, Eli Drake. Eli Drake no longer with Impact, but he did end up in NWA, and he was tagging with Nick Aldis at the Ring of Honor Best in the World pay-per-view, which just happened last week. Not, not a good show. Not a good show, and really no time to go over it, other than to say that Bandito uh, Taylor was pretty good, but the rest of the show, meh. Uh, the newest member of Villain Enterprises, though, Marty Skrull's new faction. The newest member, Flip Gordon, joined Vill- Villain Enterprises. He did dislocate his elbow at the show. But apparently he's fine. He popped it back in. He's going to be okay. Stop getting injured, Flip. Yeah, please. Stop it. Uh, Impact Slammiversary, we did mention, happened as well. I wanted more time for this, but oh well. I'll run down. Uh, It's happening this Sunday at 8 Eastern on pay-per-view. You've got Brian Cage versus Michael Elgin for the heavyweight title. Rich Swan versus Johnny Impact for the X Division title. Moose versus Rob Van Dam. Taya Valkyrie versus Rosemary versus Sue Young versus Jessica Havoc in a monster's ball match for the women's ch- uh, championship. Dang, women are going to go hard on this show. LAX versus Rascals, I mentioned, is going to happen this weekend as well as at that PWG show for the Impact Tag Belts. Uh, Sammy Callahan versus Tessa Blanchard, Nick, one that you and I have been talking about. Intergender match between Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard should be awesome. And Eddie Edwards versus Killer Cross in a first blood match given Cross's recent issues with impact i'm curious to see how this goes down i have a feeling he may get a little bloody uh also coming up on august 3rd we've got triple a triple mania which is going to be the debut of kane velasquez former mma star kane velasquez and we're going to have a fighter fest rematch as well it's going to be uh also going to headline the show blue demon jr versus dr wagner jr in a mask versus hair match so look for dr wagner to get shaved bald. There's no way Blue Demon Blue Demon's is mask is not gun. coming off. <laughs> it ain't going nowhere. No. Uh, again, we got the Fighter Fest rematch. Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid versus Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Uh, see them do it again in Mexico. Cool. Psycho Clown, Cody Rhodes, and Kane Velasquez. That is the team that's going to be with Kane on his debut match. They're facing off against El Texano Jr., Taurus, and a mystery partner who is rumored to be Killer Cross. Mm. So Killer Cross to AEW. Killer Cross to AEW. You may have heard it here first. Uh, Reina de las Arenas champion Kara is going to be defending her title against Lady Shani, Taya Valkyrie, Tessa Blanchard, Fabi Apache, Chick Tormenta, and La Hiedra in a TLC match. Tables, ladders, chairs match with all of those ladies. Oh, hell yes. That's a damn good pay-per-view lineup right there for Triple A Triple Mania. Uh, it will be airing live on Twitch for free August 3rd. So badass. MLW Kings of Coliseum is happening this Saturday at 9 Eastern on BNTV. If you have that channel, Tom Lawler defending his heavyweight belt against Jacob Fatu, up and coming relative of Roman Reigns and the Usos. Uh, Alexander Hammerstone is defending his open weight title in a Star Spangled Open Challenge. Sweet. And Myron Reed versus LA's own Ray Horace. Uh, let's see. Finally, uh, Young Bucks, finally in upcoming shows, Young Bucks are facing the private party. Not only did they get signed with AEW, but they're going to be facing the Young Bucks at their final indie match for House of Glory's High Intensity 8 on August 9th in Queens, New York. Both of these teams were previous tag champs. The Bucks were actually the inaugural tag champs of uh, House of Glory. So it's a nice little going away match for them. Uh, a couple last things. The G1, Nick, and NJPW. Mm. G- G1 starting this weekend. Uh, we did a preview show for it. We did it. We ran down everything. We don't need to talk about it anymore. If you're one of our patrons, you can check it out if you're at the $10 or above tier. And if you're not a patron yet, 
go ahead and check and sign up. Check it out. It's a pretty comprehensive our thoughts on the G1 predictions and also a little bit of introduction to New Japan so you can check it out as well. Speaking of New Japan, Wrestle Kingdom this year will be offering a women's only section uh, at the show. When asked why that was, it's because women wanted a place to go to not get hit on. So they're offering a women's only section to prevent harassment. Uh, In- uh, interesting. You know? Interesting concept. Something we could debate a long time, Nick, but we're not going to talk about it now. Just reporting that it's happening. Finally, our boy Ricochet. Our boy Ricochet is getting a WWE episode of Chronicle. Yes. So that's awesome. I'm very curious to see what they what they say about him, what footage they get of him in the indies, what they'll talk about and what they won't because he's done a lot of stuff for other companies. So I'm very curious to see what WWE Chronicle Ricochet is going to be like. Uh, and that will be coming up. It's airing next week. So that is the news, Nick. Oh, my goodness. We went way over today, it. guys. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Apologies for those watching on YouTube for the audio problems. Uh, I have to circle back. I thought we had cracked those, but we will get that solved. I promise you that. Uh, do not forget that the G1 is this weekend. The G1 starts this weekend. The G1 starts this weekend. Don't forget, I'm implanting it into your head. What, oh, my God, it's going to be a good show. The G1 starts What's this weekend. Did you know that, Ian? Oh, oh. I oh know my now. God. You cannot watch the first episode of the G1 because on New Japan World because it will be in the United States in Dallas, Texas on Axis TV. So just a reminder, it will be available on video on demand the next day or beyond. But until the show returns back to the Tokyo Dome, we will not, we will not be seeing anything on New Japan World live. Uh, but I believe it the second night or third night or something... But guys, we're going to have like five nights a week of, of wrestling, so don't worry about it. Uh, we, mm. will, we will keep you updated. We'll have as many live chats as we can. Uh, we'll have as many interactions as we can. We will get all that stuff done, but that starts Saturday night. We'll definitely have a live chat going for the one on Axis on Saturday night. So be on the lookout for that in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook, which if you're not a part of, you absolutely need to come and join uh, so send us a join request. That's where all of these things happen. These fun little extracurricular activities above and beyond the audio podcast happen in the Facebook discussion group and right here on YouTube. So make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel, Busted Wide Open, or sorry, youtube.com slash Busted Wide Open, and be sure to hit that notification bell to be sure you're subscribed. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Patreon.com slash BWO for all the good merch tiers, all the uh, show notes and listener questions and bonus episodes, all kinds of good stuff over there. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. But by God! Did somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.